On this episode, we discuss your place or mine. Wait, whose place is it going to be? I'm so confused. Welcome to the Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And I'm Hallie Haglund. The star of the show is here. Hooray. Yeah, that's why. I forgot I about your theme is, song, Pepe Pepe. It was a huge hit in Brazil. I was already giggling as the show started because Hallie's actually in New York. You know, she's uh, now she lives in LA, but she came to the city, and it's really nice to see her in the. Yeah, when she heard the title of the movie, she got confused and came to your place. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. right. Exactly. Yeah, it is a movie very much about um, <laughs> L.A. and New York, except that doesn't really seem to know much about either city. <laughs> no, not at all. It's about the it is about the future generic. Uh, culturalists uh la and new york that uh gentrification yeah. is bringing to both of us but before we get into that guys this episode is being released on april 22nd is it not what it is oh yeah it is is there something special going on today april 22nd at 7 p.m yeah Eastern? there's still time boy what That's day right. is it today <laughs> uh, <laughs> why uh, april- it's flophouse stream day <laughs> Then, then buy I the biggest goose you can, and also tickets to the Battlefield Earth <laughs> streaming event. That's today at 7 p.m., April 22nd, 7 p.m. Go to flophousepodcast.com slash stream to watch a real, professionally shot video of our Brooklyn Battlefield Earth live show. Also, you still have a chance to buy a VIP meet-and-greet ticket where you'll get to have actual conversation with the actual peaches. That's us, Hallie That's not true. included. I'm sorry. She's very popular, but she's not available. We asked her, yeah, but we, we didn't can- actually ask her. <laughs> we jack up those prices if Hallie was there. Yeah. But it's, tonight— That's it's a- v, v, VIP. <laughs> that's true. Uh, but tonight, we will be in the chat box for the premiere of the video. You still have weeks afterwards to watch it. So even if you can't make it tonight, if you still want to see it, please buy a ticket. And if you can make it tonight, enjoy chatting with us while we watch our own show. Kind of weird, but that's the second screen experience <laughs> that I guess we all want these days. And we'll have some great— Great new merchandise available. I know I'm going to buy some. I hope you do too because we get money from it. And also it'll look good in your mm-hmm. home, I guess, yeah. but mostly because we get money from it. Tickets are available at flophousepodcast.com slash stream. You know, Wait, when you guys are going to be chatting, what does that mean? Just, do, we, do they see your face or is it just like they're like a- AOL chatting? No, it's like, the, you know, like a lot of these streaming events have like a constant chat going on on the side, in like text. a Twitch style oh, thing. And we'll, okay. we'll also be there. Mm-hmm. I... I, I'm really looking forward to it, I got to say, because, you know, a lot of people don't like to hear or see themselves. I am curious. I'm curious. You know, I'm mm, trapped yeah. inside curious this body. Curious yellow, yeah. I want to yeah. see what it's like <laughs> from that's the why, audience. That's why Dan <laughs> lives in a house of mirrors. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just like he's just like Patrick Bateman watching himself in the mirror as he has sex because he's more interested in himself in that moment than he is Guys, in his yeah. partner. I get it now. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> now that you're ripped, you really understand it. Uh, so God, that's— Get that if, shirt if you're off, listen- <laughs> And if you're listening to this episode after April 22nd, again, like I said, you can still buy a ticket to watch the video if you missed our Brooklyn Live show. And speaking of Brooklyn, 
this movie takes place in Brooklyn. Because, Dan, what do we do on this podcast about movies? Well, this is a podcast where we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, this play, this this movie, I believe, was just straight to Netflix. I don't think this got a theatrical. Yeah, so where does it fall on uh, your beloved tomato meter? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> my beloved tomato meter? Well, that's his tomato meter that he uses to compare movies to Beloved. Not the movie, but the original book yeah, by Toni yeah, Morrison. I mean, yeah. Um, so Dan how does your place or mine compare to the harrowing story of American history that is beloved (laughs) well it's a lot more pleasant to sort of have on in the background while you're like maybe doing chores as an artistic achievement I don't think it stacks up to beloved okay Okay. now compare it to bluest eye Uh, wait what's that oh that's another Toni Morrison book no no that's that's not Toni Morrison oh shit Wow. That's Alice Waters, okay. right? Alex, Alex, edit that out. Oh, no, that isn't Tony Morrison. No, what? it oh is Tony Morrison. Oh, my God, Morrison. I fucking nailed it. You guys said, oh, oh man, all my haters can suck What movie? Am- oh, I'm thinking of the color purple. You're I'm talking sorry. about yeah. Elliot. You know what? Keep <laughs> it in. Elliot is all your Keep haters. You know Keep what, my- Elliot? You are, t- you are colorblind, remember? That's true, which means That's- I also am blind to the names of the authors of books that have colors in the title. And it's Alice Walker. Alice Waters is, I think, a chef, right? Well, yes. guys- Yes. I had a lot of travel last week when I went to that Brooklyn live show, and mm-hmm. I also have a cold. So I want to apologize to <laughs> Tony Morrison. I want to apologize to Alice Walker and Alice Waters. I apologize to all of them. And, and me, also right? You're going to apologize to me. No, I think, Stuart, I think I'm going to save that correction for another day. <laughs> it could be a simple slip of the I think you paid Alice brain. Waters a huge compliment. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah no I need mean, to apologize. Yeah. To Alice Waters specifically. To Alice Waters. Yeah. 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 Well, that's been our show. <laughs> so that's so the movie. Oh, wait, the no, movie uh, Your Place you're... or Mine is about people getting authors mixed up in their heads. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Uh, uh, it is I mean, a lot about it, you know what? In a way, it is. In yeah. a way, it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so we so... we watched a romantic comedy. Yeah, stars... uh, which is light on both romance and comedy. Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher, and it is it is that's uh... right. Reese Dinerspoon and Ashton <laughs> Kitchen. <laughs> It was written and directed by one of the executive producers for Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, which I discovered when I was like, there's like four actors in this that were in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. There must be some connection. I looked it up, and lo and behold, there it was. Yes, Eileen Eileen Brosh McKenna. McKenna. Mm -hmm. A frequent on that one podcast, Uh, Script Notes. She's on Script Notes a lot. She is on Script Notes a lot. Uh, I would would know that. I I knew that because I used to listen to Script Notes, and eventually I had to stop listening to Script Notes. Uh, But- Ooh, maybe I shouldn't say that if I still want to work in the industry. (laughs) Oh, boy. Um, And she did uh, The the Devil Wears Prada, too, right? She wrote it? I don't think she did. Yeah, yeah. A lot of questions already. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What is one of those questions? Give us one. Uh, How how far have you fallen, Eileen Brash? Oh, wow. 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 I'm not going to go that far. No. You don't think she listens to this, do you? No, I don't think so. I mean, that's Hallie. I feel like Hallie Dan and I are Hallie's. in this boat of like now we're like, uh, who do we not piss off? Uh, who do we choose not to piss off? Who can help our career and who might hurt our career? I mean, let me make it very clear. I watched all of Crazy Ex Girlfriend. I enjoyed that show. I enjoyed Devil Wears Prada. I love Devil Wears Everyone Prada. Everyone has yeah. their ups and downs. Uh, we're yeah, not that's true. Saying anything other than maybe next time. <laughs> yeah, we we occasionally release a not perfect podcast episode. Surely not. No, uh, never, it's never. possible. And, I mean, None maybe we'll at heard. some point. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Alan. I've never I feel listened like... to this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Have you never even listened to one that you're on? No. Yeah. Okay. 
Well, you're I beloved. Feel- People like you. <laughs> she did, and Hallie responded to that with a sort of like cute little nose wrinkle that no one can see because this is a- it's recorded. So yeah. uh, we watched this movie. Uh, we're going to talk about it. It's a romantic comedy. It does do a very clever thing, which is takes its two leads who have no chemistry together and keeps them separate the whole movie. Keeps an entire country between them the the, uh, the whole time, yeah. the entirety of the North American continent. Yeah, this is one of these things like, so maybe we need to steer away from high concept rom-coms because like the premise to this is interesting, but it also sort of stays in the way of the thing that you maybe want to see out of a romantic comedy, which is the characters relating to one each other and realizing they're in love and all of that stuff. Like the premise to this, uh, to put it very quickly is that like essentially through plot machinations that don't make any sense. And we'll get into that. They switch apartments. I mean, the uh, plot for a week. As, I, I'm curious that you called it a high concept rom-com because as far as concepts, it's fairly low concept. It's essentially uh, one person is going to babysit for the other Elliot, one, and that's why they're okay. switching houses. Okay, n- no, 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 no. High, <laughs> I think high concept can be used for this because it's just like it has become to be used for like it has like a premise, like a big like log line premise, rather than like it's just a movie where people fall in love. Like the, I guess like, so. I mean, the log line premise is just two friends switch houses for a week. Yeah, but it is like they keep it's you know much like something like Sleepless in Seattle. It's like we're keeping the lovers separated. Like they're not actually interact. Like like that is unusual for a rom com. And like That's the whole true. thing, I can is only like, think of Sleepless in Seattle and Bubble Boy. I guess as the two they, movies that they, they keep switch, the lovers separated. They switch houses <laughs> and they like learn about each other's and room. lives. Room and what also. Room? Yeah, room. <laughs> Classic rom-com. Well, I didn't expect so much pushback for what I thought was a very simple thing I was trying to say. Yeah, have and you listened to this podcast, simple... Dan? That's what we do. <laughs> I'm just trying to say- You're like, like, like Hallie, you never actually listened to the show. <laughs> Elliot, Elliot got on my case about my Tony Morrison bit, Dan. And I, was, and I was wrong. So, Dan, take yeah. that to mean that that's precedent. I can be wrong when I, when I'm I just push saying, back. If I'm, if I'm literally saying I'm going to do something in a short amount of time, why, why do we have to extend it? I <laughs> never said I would do why? it in a short amount out of time. That's the thing. You can speak for yourself, <sighs> No, mister. I know you didn't, but why do you feel the need? Anyway, um, <laughs> I'm just saying, like, 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 the idea for this, like, what I'm sure it was sold on, like, if you're trying to make a movie, you have to have, like, a premise that, like, the elevator pitch, let's say that, rather than high concept, the elevator pitch is, like, oh, it's a rom-com where they switch lives, essentially, kind of, for Can you give week. me an example of another pitch? No, me? I can't. <laughs> Like a quick and I'm not going to do it. Okay. Um, they switch lives for a little bit, and like that is what realize helps them realize that they're in love is they like sort of see the other person in a more rounded way, yeah, perhaps. Yeah, in a new and way. It, it precipitates like the, finally that emotion. Um and fine, like that makes it more easy to sell, but does that make it <laughs> a story that like works like that's the question and in this case maybe not we'll find out on today's episode of the flop house and Stuart, yeah. uh, an example of a high concept elevator pitch would be like die hard it's like die hard in a building oh okay that makes sense or how uh, let i'm not in the industry guys but how about this there's a guy named ted and he's like a bear and he hangs out with mark Wahlberg all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> yep yep that would be and he's like a, a show bear. called ted <laughs> it's called ted yeah uh, or like uh or for instance the pitch for cocaine bear which was cocaine bear 
Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. Hey, keep it simple, stupid. Exactly. Uh, or the, the pitch for the band Kiss, which was keep it simple, stupid, the band. They kind of moved away from the original pitch eventually, <laughs> and they became Knights in Satan's service. But eventually it was all about keeping it simple. I want to like rock and roll all night and party not- every— I feel like their whole thing is not keeping it simple. No, listen, I want to rock and roll all night and party every day. Keep it simple. I do one thing all night and I do one thing during the day. Yeah, I do not I mix up. Right. Yeah. I guess you're right. I yeah. was born for loving you. You were born for loving me. Keep it simple. We don't do anything else. We just love is each that other. Them? Yeah. I don't really know a lot of the Kiss songs other than the obvious ones. Like Lick It Up? <laughs> like rock and roll all night and party every day. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so let's talk about the movie. So you the might movie say begins- Dan has never been kissed. <laughs> <laughs> you could say you could say that. Yeah, you could. Uh, it would be a was that what weird, the movie but- was about? <laughs> yeah, Drew Barrymore yeah. finally listening to Kiss. <laughs> yeah, it was a. This it was is a why I've been missing all my too. life. Yeah, this <laughs> the headphones on. She puts an LP on, and she's like, you "See the awakening." Yeah. It's just like the scene in Garden State. She shares her headphones with him, yeah. and it's just, "I want to rock and roll <laughs> all night." Change your life. <laughs> Person's like, I've heard this song. It's on the radio all the time. <laughs> she goes, Oh, that's Kiss. I have heard them, and hands the headphones back. Yeah. Uh, so this movie starts much like uh, Cheryl Crow's hit uh, hit song in L.A. Uh, the year is 2003. At the beginning uh-huh. of a. Uh, how do, of, how uh, do you know it's in 2003, Elliot? Because on screen text tells us it's 2003 and then points with arrows at all the 2003 specific fashion choices. And I uh-huh. wonder, yeah. I wonder, do you guys think was this written into the movie or was this post? trying to, like, add jokes to the movie? Was this something that was originally supposed to be there, or they were they like, this scene doesn't really have any jokes. Let's throw some jokes in there. Uh, I think it was probably already in there. My objection to this was, like... It treats you like you're an idiot? Well, it goes on <laughs> for a long time. Like, when there was just, like, a couple of things, I'm like, oh, this is kind of a funny thing, because, like, let's point out, like, a, just, like, a few indicators. And it's like, but, you know, it doesn't really change that much. But then it keeps going and going and going. I don't know. Yeah. By the time it gets to, like, wallet chain and stuff like yeah. that, which I don't know if that's necessarily a 2003 thing, is it? Oh, that's your issue with it. I thought it's yeah. because, like, you could just have them have a wallet chain and assume people would be like, oh, man, I remember when I had one of those, as opposed to the t- the movie being like, stop real quick. Yeah. Look at that wallet chain. Duh. But, well, yeah. if only they had shot this the way they shot Boyhood, where they didn't know which stuff was going to be big cultural indicators at the time. So they don't have a narrator like that's Ethan like— Like Ethan Hawke? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, don't, they don't have a narrator that's like, look it's at that cultural. iMac with all the colors on it. We don't have those anymore. Remember those computers? You know. But anyway, mm-hmm. it's 2003. The text on screen tells us, and— uh, Debbie and Peter, a.k.a. Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher, they've just met at a poker game and they suddenly can't take their hands off each other. Their friends leave and it, they don't even notice because they're so busy macking. They have sex. Uh, before wow. they do that— macking? Yeah. macking? That's an indicator yeah, of a time period. <laughs> sure. I, I mean, look no, up when I was, look up when I I the last born time I heard and, someone uh, say macking was when I was at church camp as a uh, junior high kid and I was accused of— Macking. Well, yeah, that's man. not the context that I've heard. Like, I think you're misusing macking, actually. Well, what I mean is that they're dressed up as Mac tonight, the McDonald's pitchman oh, okay. who is a giant uh, moon with sunglasses. Yeah. 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 So, it's, uh, it's like body horror at this point. Uh-huh. Uh, before they have sex, Ashton mentions he's written 23 short stories, and he's also amazed at how many books Reese Gould. Witherspoon has off camera. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, he's 23 short stories about Glenn Gould. <laughs> that movie ripped me off, he says. Uh, these two things, that he was once a writer and is no longer, and that she likes books a lot, will become the defining – two of the defining characteristics about these characters. Although neither of them seem like 
That's true. I no, guess not, we almost we rarely see Reese Witherspoon reading. Characters talk about how much she loves books. She wears a Powell's bookstore shirt. She stops at a at a little free library. This movie is really pandering to me. At one point, mm. at one point, Ashley Kutcher walks by the Strand, and I was like, "This movie is really trying very hard to bring in a lot of bookstores that I've been to." Uh, but it's just uh, similarly, we'll learn later uh, their personality is more because we're told a lot about it than because we see it. Twenty five years later, suddenly it's twenty five years later. It's the morning of Ashton Kutcher's birthday. It seems at first like she and Reese, like she, like he and Reese Witherspoon are waking up together, but surprise, he lives in New York now, she's still in LA, and it's a split screen. They're talking all morning on the phone with each other in the first of one of many Brian De Palma slash Robert Aldrich style split, <laughs> split, split, split screens. Uh, mm-hmm. It turns out after that one night stand, they became best friends who share no interests or values or habits. I don't know why they're friends. Uh, Reese Witherspoon, we learned she's the anxious, uptight one who always does the smart, easy, simple, uh, safe choice. And Ashton Kutcher, now, he's the reckless one who's afraid of commitment. They, we, the movie keeps telling us this out loud, but we don't really see the characters particularly act that way. Dan, what were you going to say? Well, I mean, y- yes. Uh, they don't act like the way that they're supposed to. I mean, like, Reese acts like someone who's anxious. Like, the movie gives her a lot of business a with that. A little bit. But I think Ashton Kutcher, like, everyone keeps talking about how irresponsible he is, and apparently he's, like, extremely successful. And it's not saying that that cannot make someone like that people like that can't be irresponsible in a number of ways. The but, richest man in the in America did buy a social media company because he wanted people to think he was cool true, and then is true. actively dismantling it as time goes on because people still don't think but he's cool. But we don't see any of those ways. So all true. we're left with is this experience of a man who has everything pretty well together. But uh Yeah, he has an apartment that looks like an Airbnb. He uh I mean, he has an apartment that literally is it uses that stock photo Elliot behind you as the view. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he has a very expensive Dumbo apartment. They both He's super successful. He has this huge Dumbo apartment. And at first, before we learn he's not a writer, my, my, I was watching it with my wife and Danielle I was like, "He got that on a writer's income?" And yeah. uh but also Reese Witherspoon later is like uh, I need to make – I've done the safe choices for my job. I need to start making more money to support me and my son. And she lives in like a beautiful house on the yeah. Silver Lake Reservoir. So they're both – they're living the affluent life even but though – She bought it in 2003, Elliot. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> when it was nearly expensive as opposed to unreasonably expensive. Yeah. But the one thing I wanted to push back on was just this idea that like – I mean – People with different personalities like are friends all the time. Sometimes you oh, seek sure. out people with different Sometimes personalities. You do podcasts hey, with them. Uh, elephant yeah. in the room, Dan and Elliot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're extremely uh, like night and day, the two of us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's but true. I mean, I think sometimes you seek out people who like fill you out rather than people who just sort of confirm the person you're all you are already. However, I out. agree. They're called That's feeders. what I say whenever I meet a new person. That I think would be a good friend to say, "Hey, you want to fill me out?" <laughs> and they're like, ugh, gross. No, I don't. I don't know you what that means. You want to do means, some me outfilling? <laughs> I don't have a lot of friends, yeah. Uh, we also learned that, so Reese Witherspoon, she has, she's a divorcee with a teen son, Jack, who has a lot of allergies, and she's very overprotective of him. And we also learned a defining- We probably learned that because she is telling Tig- her friend Tignataro, and she's like, I'm very protective of my son with his many allergies. And now- Tig goes overprotective. Wait, and also, I want to mention- Speaking of people uh, I don't think should be friends, like, I, I don't understand why Tignataro is friends with Reese Witherspoon. That was the part that confused All these characters me. have long histories and we don't really know how they how that came about. Uh, but here's the other thing. We learned something very important about Ashton Kutcher. He loves the band The Cars and that's all he listens to. And that will be a surprisingly defining characteristic for him that he loves yeah. The Cars. And the movie. But I mean, 
I, like with Chick Nataro being her friend, like that character is written mostly like she gets a couple of good lines that she kills because she's funny, but like mostly that character is written as bland, like friend who is only concerned with how Reese Witherspoon's life is going and like giving Reese Witherspoon advice on her own life. And Tig Notaro's whole affect like makes me think like she wouldn't like get wound up in this shit. <laughs> like, okay. She's got I, her own stuff going on. She doesn't care about this nonsense. She was my favorite character, but yeah. what does she have going on in her life? Because I kind of thought she might've been a figment of their imagination. <laughs> <laughs> like a Tyler Durden type anything. thing. She, yeah. yeah I mean, she just like shows up all of a sudden holding a coffee and like, I know yeah. nothing else about her. <laughs> They're somehow coworkers at the same school, I think, but I don't know what either of them really do there. And, Here's the thing with the, so the movie. It's like Tignataro is the movie's first attempt at giving Reese Witherspoon a like snarky sidekick and it's mm. not working out. So the movie kind of lessens her role and brings in another character later to be Reese Witherspoon's new snarky sidekick. And it's just like, movie, you're going through snarky sidekicks <laughs> at a fast pace. Like, yeah. I can serve you them. Guys, you guys think that Tignataro wasn't working? I feel like she was the only thing that was working. Oh, no, no, I don't. I actually think she's really funny. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that she's not working as a as at, for the movie as a comedy sidekick. I just think it's funny that the movie is like, here's your here's your standard issue, romantic comedy, snarky sidekick. Forget it. Sideliner. Bring in a new one. Mm-hmm. Bring well, in no, Zoe because Chow. she has to become yeah. she has to become uh Ashton Kutcher's snarky sidekick. Yeah. I, I get, yeah. yeah, but I think a, it works. It's a, it's a I think it works, guys. <laughs> I don't know. It's, she's a character who doesn't really exist except to be a snarky sidekick. So yeah. Reese this is the important thing. I think Re- she doesn't really exist. Yeah. It's very possible that she does. she's a shared delusion. Like uh, she's she shows up do. when Ashton Kutcher uh needs to have somebody to talk to. Like it's perfect. I mean, if the if the if the other sidekick of Minka played by Zoe Chow didn't interact with a third character, I would assume that yeah. she was a was a figment. Yeah. And Zoe if that third Chow character was also great, by yeah, the way. Great. Yeah. Like, what is she and if from? that third character was not didn't professionally help Ashton Kutcher's career by the end, I would assume he was a figment of Reese Witherspoon's. Did you watch the after party on Apple TV? No, Plus? she only watched. She's the party. also in. Uh, she's also in the the new season of Party Down. Oh, you guys only, I go to parties, okay? I don't watch <laughs> oh, wow, stuff cool. about them. Oh, man, just kidding. Just big I don't us. go to Boom. parties. Yeah. Uh, so Reese party is leaving her son at home for a week so she can go to New York to take a week-long accounting course that I guess will give her a degree in accounting. <laughs> this that don't so exist in L.A. There's yeah. no accounting classes. <laughs> you can't, apparently you can't get an accounting degree in, New, in L.A., but maybe it's just that in New York you can get a one-week rushed accounting degree. <laughs> Dan, <laughs> expre- Dan, vent your rage on this. No, this is what I was, like, there's no way she can do this at home. She has to fly to the other coast for one week to, to, for account like do a this correspondence is, course even like this is set yeah. in a new world dan where president joe biden has made <laughs> uh remote classes illegal <laughs> <laughs> made accounting illegal in 49 states yeah, yeah. well it's only in only in uh new york do they have one of the battlefield earth quick learning chairs that they can strap <laughs> yeah. in so that a very humble low self-esteem alien can teach you accounting fast hey Go go to go to flophousepodcast.com yeah. slash stream. Figure out what I'm talking about. And similarly, similarly, uh, because Rachel Bloom, who was Reese Witherspoon's sister or friend, friend? it's not I, clear. I, I oh yeah, honestly, I fell asleep at this part. So can you guys? I remembered she was in the movie, but I don't remember. Well, what she also has to leave town. So like, 
Jack flies the other way across the country to yes. keep, take care of the kid. There's no local other option other than Rachel. Blo- like this well, Rachel we've established that Tignataro doesn't exist. Jack can't yeah, stay at Tignataro's house because because she doesn't exist. So yeah, uh, yeah. But how's she Rachel gonna give Bloom, him a bath? Rachel, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's old enough; he probably takes showers at this point. But uh, Tignataro, uh, oh, sorry, Rachel Bloom is supposed to watch him for the week, but she gets cast in a in a role in a movie. She only has really only has. Want two scenes in the film, uh, but we've also. But she's going to be in the background of a lot to, of important scenes. Yeah, you have to just, downplay her achievement, <laughs> Elliot. <laughs> I apologize. You're right. Uh, so, meanwhile, we should mention that also Ashton Kutcher's girlfriend of six months has broken up with him. Uh, also because from crazy ex-girlfriend. also another crazy ex girlfriend cast great. member yeah. uh, has broken up with him because their relationship after six months is going nowhere. Broke up with him on his birthday, and he also turned down a job with two. Very surprisingly emotional executives who take the the rejection very hard uh, in a scene that is fairly airless. Uh, yeah. And well, he's so he's like a consultant guy. Like he yes. he doesn't social like to put media down consultant, right? Yeah, oh, yes. something like something that. Like, like re- that, yeah. branding. Branding consultant. is his thing. Mm. And so Ashton Kutcher has nothing tying him there. He has no job. He has no girlfriend. Why not fly cross country he, and watch his friends kid has- for a week? He barely has fucking furniture. Yeah, his apartment is very empty. He does. I wish they had gone all the way and had him have a garbage can that was just a shopping plastic shopping bag hung on a hung on a cabinet knob. Yeah. Because I feel like that's the sign of a bachelor apartment is when all the garbage is going into a plastic shopping bag hung on a cabinet knob. Not in current New York. You can't get a plastic bag anymore. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Oh, boy. You have to use a strand tote. <laughs> <laughs> that is issued to you when you <laughs> you come to the city. Um, yeah, like I, I get that to some degree this is to indicate how much they care about one another and how, you know, Ashton Kutcher, like, is carrying this torch that he is only maybe partially aware of, if at all, that he is doing all of this. But it still seems like so much plot machinery that could have been oiled a little bit better, let's say, to get this, to kick this movie off. All right. Well, let's. So he he flies out. She flies back. It's his turn to support her. He mentions how she picked him up at rehab a couple times. She's always been there for him. It's time for him yeah. to be there for her. Ashton's first job. Picking up Jack from school, he talks to Tignataro. Again, not evidence that this character is real. He could also yeah. be, it could also be their sh- It's like the child in Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. It's a shared game that they play. Uh, <laughs> and they have a friend who's Tignataro. And, uh, Spoiler. Sorry for anyone who hasn't seen <laughs> Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. <laughs> wow. That. Yeah, I forgot that uh, That uh, Edward Albee, he, he said, please don't reveal the shocking surprise ending of my, my thriller Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf. <laughs> Audiences will not be seated. <laughs> After the opening of, <laughs> I mean, Who's it's Afraid a Broadway of. play. Usually, I mean, they shouldn't be seated too far into. Uh, I'm thinking it. of the Mike Nichols film. Right? Oh, the but, movie. Yeah, that's right, sure. the movie. Um, the uh, so he Ashton tries to bond with Jack, the kid, by talking about how bad his dad was and how he died drunk in a ditch. Classic way you bond with a young kid right away. Mm-hmm. And he Jack reveals that his old friends won't be friends with him anymore because his mom won't let him play on the hockey team with them because she's afraid he'll be injured. Uh, so we know what Jack's Yeah, I slept through this is. part. This is helpful. So you might have, so did you also sleep through the, the, uh, the, when Ashton meets Steve Zahn's character of Zen, Reese's Zen, yeah. independently wealthy neighbor who spends most of his time taking care of her garden and playing guitar. This is a character that 
really doesn't need to be in the movie. And I would yeah, love for you guys I, to explain to me like, why he's I like in his there. style. I like his little vibe. <laughs> yeah, I think it's just Stuart like... is all about vibes, as, as we talked about he, last week's movie. Do you think he, was, he shot this before uh, White Lotus, and then uh, after it came out, he was like, can we just cut out my part, <laughs> please? Like, that's it. I mean, I think I, I can only imagine they're like, if we have Steve Zahn available, we want to put him in the movie. I mean, like, he's really likable in it. Again, like, yeah. I feel like the movie has a couple of side, as many rom-coms do. The side characters are the strong part of the movie. Yeah. And the main characters are not. Uh, but Ashton instantly dislikes Zen, played by Steve Zahn. Zahn, Zen, it's confusing. Hey, yeah. do you guys think on the set they ever called him Zahn by accident <laughs> Wait, on camera? We- and did Zen, did we off didn't camera. we do this bit? No. I don't know if we used it. Uh, so, Ashley, <laughs> he, he hates. He's he's annoyed by all these post-it notes that Reese Witherspoon has left everywhere with instructions. And Reese Witherspoon is uh, go walks around Ashton's big empty apartment and just riffs on his stuff. She's just riffing <laughs> on the things she finds to nobody. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The now, Comedy Central roast. That's what happens. Yeah, that's what happens when you own the production company of the movie. Is that's you can just add scenes like that. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh, Ashton Kutcher, he's a different kind of parent for Jack. He's like, don't do your homework. First, let's watch Alien, which just made me want to watch Alien so badly. It's such an amazing movie. I can't wait to share it with my children. I love uh, that it's also like brightly lit outside while they're watching it. I know, like, in yeah. the middle of the day. It's going to suck. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even going to be able to see a lot of it because of the glare through the window on the screen. Uh, and Jack reveals some kind of unflattering things that Reese Witherspoon said about Ashton. Everyone thinks of him as a rolling stone. Nothing's holding him down. He can't make commitments or decisions. Just like Papa. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where's Papa, Papa? Roach? <laughs> Dan, where's Papa? He's a Rolling Stone. <laughs> Papa Roach is kind of a Rolling Stone. Uh, and so Papa, Reese, Ro- Papa Roach wishes he was in the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm. And I mean, so, arguably, you know, they're still touring. <laughs> this this begins a process of Reese Witherspoon and Ashley Kutcher realizing things about each other they didn't know. They thought they knew everything about each other, but there's all these things in their lives that they didn't know about. Uh, but they do like each other. He finds a series of cute post-it notes from her thanking him, and she finds a, sh- a champagne bottle that he got her as a gift. It's <laughs> sounds like you're going to say a shit. He <laughs> finds a shit and, he, loves. he left. He left a big pile of his own shit in his freezer for her <laughs> and says, polish this turd. Love your best friend, Ashton. Do you guys have any relationships in your life where you're like, this person and I tell each other everything? Because outside of like my spouse... I don't think I could say that. About I don't even, that's not even true of my spouse because Audrey's constantly like, you didn't tell me that. Why didn't you tell me that? I'm like, Dan I'm is sorry, a man I of secrets. And Dan enigma. likes secrets. Yeah. I'm a yeah. quiet person. Dan, have you told Audrey about, <laughs> about your second wife that you keep in Ontario? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what would be the point? That's a, just a backup in case, you know, this <laughs> one is lost your or stolen. <laughs> your rom-com movie is called The Backup and it's about a woman who understands that she is just there in case the other guy's relationship falls apart. She thinks she's okay with that. It turns out she's not. Yeah. Uh, or the other way and around. She He's falls in love with the guy who has to give her food in the room she's locked in. <laughs> no, I don't like the yeah. idea that this oh, is God. room. I don't like your attempt like to turn room into a room. Dan said, Dan said, <laughs> Kind of like a rancor keeper. He said, I keep her as a backup, okay? It's true. That's right. Now it's it's (laughs) canon, apparently. (laughs) Horrible monster. Horrible. So, uh... They're, so they're, no, uh, also me, uh, I don't have a relationship like that. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, Ashton is all like, uh, <laughs> you know, Jack, your mom sold out her ambitions uh, to take the safe route. And you need to use my uh, my branding talk to get with your friends at school. So I'm going to take you to a big hockey game. You're going to use so the So were tickets. those his old friends? 
One of them Sorry. was. Yeah. Okay. And, and we're going to go to a big hockey game. You're going to use these tickets to kind of bribe them to be your friends again. Uh, of does course, it work out? Uh, uh, as you guys would imagine, I pulled up on my phone what it would cost to to get a last-minute suite uh, for an L.A. Kings game. And it's at least like your bargain basement's like four grand. Yeah. Just to give you a concept of the lifestyle porn of this movie. But this is a movie. Yeah, exactly. So Ashton Kutcher has all the money in the world. He has all the things that he needs. Uh, and uh, jumping ahead slightly, they go to the luxury box hockey game. Jack's friends aren't interested in talking. And Jack, it's a total, we're talking with Jack, it's a total failure. They don't want to fill him out. It's, it's just, they don't want to be his they friend They just want anymore. to use him. Yeah. I mean, they his, had a good time, but not with him. They had a great time. It's yeah. a Kings game, free food. I mean, kids love that stuff. Uh, meanwhile... Reese Witherspoon is going to her accounting course because I think I'm not the, the timeline. I'm the time the, the time so I'm don't even think about the time zones in the movie. They don't quite work exactly right. She goes to her course and then she passes by a literature class where this professor who reminds me a lot of the uh, chef testant Greg on yes, Top Chef. Yes, yes, that's yeah. what I thought too. Uh, is, and for a minute, I was like, is that him? But it, it's not. It's And I don't want this episode to be about me mistaking black creative people <laughs> for other black creative people. I apologize. Uh, but she, he's just talking about thick books. And he's like, she's like, mm, yeah, give you me know, some of them thick, thick books. books yeah. yeah, I like them books mm. thick. Yeah, I like my Godzillas. I like them thick. <laughs> <laughs> that's I, that, that, that's that is me. Canon. You're doing an impression of me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, so she, uh, there's a... Uh, I think I skipped over by accident because my notes are not as organized as they should be, that the previous night, an ex of Ashton Kutcher's, Minka, played by Zoe yeah. Chow, has stopped by the apartment wearing nothing underneath her robe. She seems to be wearing a short no, robe. she so. was wearing a sweatshirt, a, oh. uh, like a uh, hoodie. She wants yeah, to it's seduce. like a hoodie dress almost. Yeah. She wants to I mean, seduce. it's pretty cool. It's a cool outfit. I yeah, would wear is. that as an actual outfit. I mean, she looks great, but you would wear underpants underneath she it. She looks probably. a little bit mm. like if... <laughs> She looks like she, if she was on the cover of an Animorphs book, she would be transforming into an otter. And and of course, you mm. and otters are sexy animals. They're sleek, they're smooth, mm-hmm. they're wet. They have whiskers. They drive like noses. a dream. Elliot's making yeah. it way weirder than my car. They kind of <laughs> hop around when they're at, when they're on land, but in water, it's just kind of like a little torpedo, just mm-hmm. shooting all over the place. Doesn't they hold get hands. They, they, they hands, do. Yeah. They sleep on their back and they crack clams and things like that with with rocks. They wrap themselves in seaweed. That's the way I like it. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the narrowing Allie's eyes. <laughs> I like my women like I like my sushi <laughs> wrapped on, in seaweed. Wrapped in seaweed <laughs> on top of a bed of rice. For more, see the movie <laughs> Rising Sun. Uh, I just watched it. <laughs> served on a naked woman. What? That's how you like your women? I, okay, yes. yeah, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I like my women served on a naked woman. It's It gets expensive. You're running into, into, into yeah. backups and redundancies. The thing about Rising Sun, having just watched it, is I didn't realize how, how much— it is? How, It's super racist, but it's also very funny to see Sean Connery explain Japanese culture to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, during, during the point in our history where, like, we were treating the Japanese as if they were literal, like, business aliens. Yeah, yeah. Very strange. Yeah. Anyway. Not not okay. So Minka shows up. She's going to seduce Ashton Kutcher, and then she's like, he's not here, and I see you need a rom-com snarky sidekick, so that's what I am for you now. And unfortunately, Tignataro gets—she's already the snarky sidekick, so now this movie has two snarky sidekicks. But as Hallie said, Ashton Kutcher moves over and takes Tignataro— uh, Zoe Chow is now Reese Witherspoon's snarky sidekick. I bring that up because now it's the next day and Minka's taking Reese out for what she calls fancy drinks and it just looks like they're at the bar at a hotel. But Reese Witherspoon yeah. acts yeah. like she's been taken to the most exclusive eyes wide shut orgy rich person club in, in the world. 
Yes. I was expecting it to be more of like a clubby scene, you yes. know, where she would feel like that. super uncomfortable. But yeah, it just seems like, oh, this is just somewhat upscale. Like she, she should be fine. Like she's not yeah. <laughs> unused to like the world. I, I, don't know. I, I thought, it was, I thought yeah. it was very funny that her like the, the mark of her lack of sophistication was always supposed to be that she wore a jean jacket uh-huh. because my baby wears a jean jacket. Yeah, not <laughs> Man, your baby's a dork. <laughs> well, also, I'm led to believe that they they've come back. Is this true? I don't know. Who, Hallie? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. That, well, the stories do, sometimes they, they come back, back is about and then jean they went out again. Oh no, <laughs> just uh, it always happens. Uh, but yeah, they're like at some kind of a cocktail bar that looks like in the refurbished like Dumbo area that's over by uh, like the Chaconis that opened up and the one hotel down by the Brooklyn Bridge. Uh, this is Dumbo. extreme yeah, narrow casting, extreme <laughs> yeah. regional narrow casting. Not just the Dumbo neighborhood, but an area, a specific corner of Dumbo. Uh, and they see at sitting at the bar is that literature professor who's going on and on about those thick-ass books. And also, he's sitting with a handsome, as we learn, a book editor from a publisher that Reese Witherspoon has read every book from. And they go over and introduce themselves. And Reese Witherspoon talks about how she's read every single book that he's, he's edited or published. This should seem weird, but instead, he is very attracted because what man is not attracted to a woman who justifies everything about his existence as being super <laughs> important and fascinating? It's the thing men are most attracted to is someone else's interest in them. Uh, also, I would say like the uh, like a, a big indicator of like not a real book lover is when you base your fandom on the publisher. Like you've read <laughs> everything by a certain publisher. Mm-hmm. Like uh, well, especially because all the books that he mentions are completely different from each other. He's like, yeah. what about the spy thriller? Yep. Must, well, what about the Dust Bowl romance? Yep. Uh, he's like the A twenty four of publishing, I guess. That yeah, exactly. Really, that makes mm-hmm. sense. It's a yeah, brand. yeah. Strong brand. It's the twenty bucks spin of publishing. (laughs) I mean, I guess you could say. I mean, I am a. I am big into Marvel comics, and that's me going by a specific publisher, I guess. But I feel like they've got a great style. We're gonna get some fucking hate mail. They've also like. I mean, like at this point, it's all woven in all the characters. Like that that shared universe makes it makes sense that you're a fan of like this as a brand. Rather, it's possible that this editor Theo, played by Jesse Williams, that it is a shared universe publisher where all the books (laughs) link together. You know, (laughs) it was hard. It's hard to get the cookbook. Books in there, but they find a way. <laughs> but they did it. Uh, so, uh, and he asks for Reese's number, uh, which is funny to me because when I saw him and the professor sitting together, I assumed that the scene would be that they are gay, and Reese tries to hit on them, and it turns out they're not interested in her. But that's not the scene that happened at all. That, yeah. that, that, that would have been not a great comedy scene, but possibly a comedy scene. But we didn't get a comedy scene out of this comedy yeah, scene. Yeah, there aren't really, there's not much comedy in this rom com. It's pleasant. Yes. <laughs> and this there's is when, not much rom. When, yeah. Minka, there's not much wrong. wrong. There's not much calm. Yeah. And Minka reveals to Reese Witherspoon that Ashton Kutcher. Wait, let's yes. figure out what it has. Is it? There's not much rom. There's not much calm. There's a little bit of rom. There's not much drum. If you, Very that's little what you say drama. Yeah. Uh, there's it's a lot of calm. hyphen. There's a yeah. lot of hyphen. Stuart, basically. is there any crom in it? <laughs> I fucking wish. <laughs> Reese is like, hey, I have I have to miss class because I need to go. It's it's a it's a holiday crom. for the crom for worship for some crom. This is the day when we celebrate not that crom gives us uh-huh. anything in life, but merely that he has gifted us with existence and the strength to persevere. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's uh, the log line would be it's young, dumb, and full of crom. <laughs> 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 uh, so okay. exactly. So uh, Minka says, you know, once I was looking in Ashton Kutcher's oven, and I found uh, he had he had 
I see him for diamonds. I see him a saucy for diamonds. little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> <laughs> and I found a manuscript that he wrote. He secretly wrote a big novel. And Reese Witherspoon's like, he never told me he wrote a novel. But they tell, but they, we tell, they each, other tell each other everything, right? Certain <laughs> sounds like it's not everything, I guess. And uh, Reese and Ashton, they're both stressed out by these revelations. They take baths and in split screen talk about it. Reese Witherspoon, she says, you know what? I shouldn't do this. I'm going to start reading his novel. She can't put it down. She even reads it in class, which is crazy. She has like five days of class, and she spends one of them <laughs> reading her friend's novel. Just don't show up, or I don't know what. If this is that important to you, put it down. She can't. She gives the manuscript to Theo, the editor, and says, uh, well, I edit it freelance. I'm, I'm the editor on it. And they learn they're both divorced with kids whose names rhyme, which they're, which they're in rom-com— 13. Mm-hmm. And they're both both their kids are thirteen. Her kid is Jack. His kid is Mac. And this is in rom com logic. This means they should of course be together because they're. they're I mean, obviously they shouldn't be together. She should be with her best friend because romantic comedies have taught us. Uh, a very toxic and dangerous lesson, which is that if you have a crush on your friend, you just have to either wait it out or do something crazy to show them that they should be with you. No, uh, wait, I will Jack say. And what's the other kid's name? I think his, his son's name is Mac. Oh, that's unless why it, unless Mac. it's your daughter and it's Alex Mac who has a whole secret life. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, look, or we secret world. There wasn't twenty years in between, but I did. Audrey and I did sort of briefly date and then become friends and then get married. So, uh, you know. So it, Dan's bringing it back hey, to Dan and his relationship. I just, you know, it was called a toxic uh, <laughs> lesson. We got too and far not, away from What it. Dan is saying is but, right. If you're out there and you have a crush on one of your friends, if she says she's not interested, well, I mean, wait that's her out. not what happened. Wait that, her that out, part, make it work. That part Keep didn't. pushing. If she says no... That, that, that's that, the Flophouse yeah, message. Well, Dan was a that, keep that part pushing. of it didn't happen. Romantic comedies and Dan say, no, just means I, give no, me a little bit more time. No, <laughs> respect boundaries. What everyone. no means, do a bigger stunt that shows how much you care. <laughs> These I didn't do a stunt. <laughs> anyway, uh, so... Uh, <laughs> now I'm imagining sh- myself like doing a literal stunt to get on yeah. your like it, like... <laughs> I'm going to jump this door. Yeah, drive a car yeah. through a plate glass window. Yeah, I did yeah, it to that, show you how much I love curve. you. We should be together. Yeah. So uh, did you guys – so uh, there's not very much chemistry between Reese and Ashton. What about between Debbie and Theo? Is there chemistry between her and this editor? What did you guys think? Yes. More. It's fine. More than. I feel like there was more. I did feel I was like, like it was – like, who am I supposed to be rooting for? Yeah, yeah exactly. This is I mean, we that may, doesn't have easy answers for you. Yeah. We may just be reacting to the fact that – they are in the same room on a date versus and, and, <laughs> and he a split sells screen it. on the phone. Like he, he's beautiful. He's beautiful. His eyes and are he, smoldering. Exactly, and yeah. he gives. He's giving her that look. He is bringing a lot to this. He, in uh, in in uh, in Auden terms, he is the more loving one, uh, mm-hmm. and it, like he's bringing a lot of that emotional energy. Yeah, and there's a a similar scene. Uh, reversed with uh, I don't know if we're at that point yet. We're not, Peter, but we can talk okay. about it La- where later. Peter on goes a- on a go, meets up at a bar on a date with an ex played by Sherry Appleby from uh, what yeah was that? from the restaurant from, uh, chain. Un- unscript or unreal, unreal. Yeah. yeah, and she again is she's serving it like she brings that kind of like intense uh, energy to the scene much more than say. Uh, it seems like they have chemistry. I I'm, thought at yeah. first she was Rumi Mara, and I was like, wow, I can't believe she did women talking, and now this <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> seems like a backslide. Uh, they look hey, everyone's got to work. You got to work for a living. That was, yeah. A, yeah. That, was a sh- that was a short scene, so don't make too much fun of me that I missed it, considering that Hallie also fell asleep for part of the movie. But 
I, I don't I sorry, I don't know why I, I dragged you into this, but no. I, I can't believe I missed Sherry Appleby. I, I, I yeah, really liked great. Unreal. Well, the movie's on Netflix. Just go back and watch it. I mean, it costs <laughs> no, you nothing. You're care. already paying for the service. <laughs> it costs I, I mean, it's not a great scene. But, okay, so um, Ashton, he But he I'm decides, sure Netflix would love the views. Yeah. I, so Ashton That they goes, will tell no one about. <laughs> uh, Ashton tells Dude, this, Jack. <laughs> somewhere between zero and a billion views, this guy. The most watched thing ever. <laughs> yep. Uh, Netflix is like, hey, guess what? This is the number one watch show on all of Netflix. By the way, it starts playing automatically as soon as you open up the service. <laughs> and we put it on everyone's phone. Like you, have to, <laughs> you have to opt out of watching this movie. But guess what? It's a huge success. Everyone's watching it. Uh, so uh, Ashton tells Jack, hey, the reason I listen to the cars is because it helps connect me with my terrible dad that was with absent cars. for most of my life. Uh-huh. And uh, and he says, Jack, you need to join the hockey team. And Jack is like, finally, what I've always wanted, and hugs him. And guess what? Theo, that publisher, he read the book overnight. He loves it, wants to talk about the author and take Reese out to dinner. Ooh. And uh, Ashton convinces the hockey coach to let Jack try out for the team. And Jack tells Ashton, he doesn't suck after having a really great tryout for the team. Um, Ashton, he's starting to loosen up a little. I mean, he was supposed to be the loose anything goes guy, but he's starting to loosen up. He apologizes to Zen, uh, Steve Zahn's character, but he's weird out, weirded out when Zen refers to himself as Reese's part-time lover. And again, I can't tell if this is something that is real or if he is reading this into the situation. Yeah, like, yeah. is another is this another figment of their imagination? Is is he not even real? Also, it'd be funny if 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 uh, you just cut to a you cut to a shot of someone walking by the house and the garden is all overgrown and there's creeper vines all over <laughs> that. It's like we've always lived in the castle. Yeah. like it's just it's all rotted away. Way, but they think that they're imagining that this gardener is taking care of it there, all this time. There is a scene where uh, Zen is climbing up a window right by Ashen Kutcher's face, and he's wearing these like very thin harem pants when the sunlight goes right through it. And I'm like, I could really use like a giant wiener and balls silhouette or something in there. You know what I mean, guys? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. I mean, it shows you the level sure, of the- I often they think about that. They stole that from the Fablemans. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it shows you that that same joke basically happens twice in The War with Grandpa. So this movie is operating on a similar joke level to The War with Grandpa that someone's, someone's crotch is too close to a window that someone else is standing at and they don't like yeah. seeing it, you know? Yeah. Um, the are you were you talking about the see through dress in yeah. in the fable mints that one <laughs> yeah. when, they're, when uh-huh, yeah. they're like they're like son the most son, beautiful son, scene. Son, pick keep up your, your get mother. footage of your sexy mother get footage of your of we can see her we can see her vagina and boobs through her dress get footage of this son <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's already on that fucking we're gonna TikTok trend right there yeah. <laughs> and then make a video of it please please it's the only thing reminding her of her uh, sexy body is the only <laughs> thing that will help her grief it will when when you when you're her, when your 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 mom's mom died. So we need we need you to put together a footage some footage of how fucking hot she is. <laughs> I mean, it would make me feel better. Yeah, it's like well, I know I know that you just met, you lost a parent, but at the same at the same point, but you're look smoking. at all she gave you. <laughs> look, at all, <laughs> look at what she's left behind. Anyway, uh, so the. Uh, uh, she's weird. So, but anyways, because Steve Zahn is like, hey, I figure if I hang around long enough, she'll realize that we should be in love, and if not. I'll be a friend with benefits. And I'm like, but are you really? Like, is that a thing that's actually happening? It doesn't get brought up again. I mean, yeah, yeah. it never gets clarified. But the fact, I mean, I thought that there wasn't any relationship. But now that I'm thinking about it, like the fact that Reese never mentioned him to Ashton Kutcher, I feel like does suggest that there was some of that. There's something and she's just kind of hiding it from him. What do you think, Stuart? 
was ashamed I think, of it. I think he deserves more. You know, mm-hmm. like don't minimize yourself, Zen. Like you're you're an attentive guy. I can only assume an amazing lover. You dress mm-hmm. well. You want somebody who wants to be with you. That's well, you what he wants. That, he wants a garden to tend, and, and she's you know, and not going thing. to be that for him. She does. She just refusing to be that garden. And you know that he's a, he's an attentive lover. You know that he prioritizes well, his partner's pleasure because he spends his whole day tending the garden of someone he now, of his neighbor, someone else. Can, Candide tells us we should tend our own gardens, <laughs> which, he, which he doesn't do. He makes it very clear he has a landscaper who works his own garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, Candide is also. I mentioned Candide to my family recently because my kids were making some joke about eating each other's butts or something, and I was like. <laughs> wow. I was like, well, in Candide, there is a character who had to eat half of her own butt during a famine to survive. And my wife was like, what? <laughs> like, what are you telling them? And I'm like, blame Voltaire, lady. I didn't, yeah, I didn't write it. literature, I guess. Yeah. Oh, they leave that. Miss Banned Books over here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, suddenly the librarian doesn't want her yeah. kids to, to dip into the classics. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Uh, so Reese goes on her book date dinner. They bond over classic novels and quotes. It's all, it's very cringy. And, this was um, when I really started suspecting that this movie was written by ChatGPT because all of their references were like, you read Faulkner? Uh, have you yeah. ever? <laughs> like, I believe Mark Twain said that. Yeah, and I, exactly. And it's like, there's, there's no way Mark Twain said that. Or maybe he did, I don't know. But uh, see, and Ashton Kutcher, meanwhile, on the other side of the country seems to telepathically sense that something is amiss with uh, with with Reese. Uh, and he, he, he doesn't have the time to help Jack with his project on the Spanish-American War, which Jack has supposed to be working on this thing for days, but he goes, he, he asks, Ashton goes, who was in the Spanish-American War? And it's like, how little research have you done, Jack? <laughs> no, like, no, we're in maybe, trouble. You sh- maybe you shouldn't have been watching Alien because you have not been working on this project. Uh, <laughs> Are you and- allergic to homework too, you little idiot? <laughs> <laughs> wow. Uh, Reese and the editor, they accidentally activate the home camera in Ashton's apartment while they start having sex. And Ashton uh-huh. catches a glimpse of it on his phone and is so horrified that he has to hurl his phone away from him and rush off, rush off to a bar and call up an ex. Real, uh, real quick. Just, so, yeah. so do you think that that just, that security system came with the apartment? Cause it's a doorman building. Uh, do you think that security system came with the apartment? Cause that guy doesn't, it's not like, He's worried people are going to steal his, like, lack of furniture, right? No, he doesn't have anything also, in there. As we see, the doorman <laughs> spends most of his time uh, just scribbling things on a clipboard, at, much like an extra who has not been given that much to do with their character yeah, yeah. and only has one or two lines. Also, oh, I yeah. think you yeah. have a – you're you're showing a lot of faith in a doorman as a security uh, system, like a, a single doorman. But you, a, also, but, I have a question. Whenever I see someone using an iPad – that to me is a marker of like an old person, but is that uh, not how most people feel? Because like that, because the security system was on an iPad. Uh-huh. Uh, the only other person I know who uses an iPad is my father, who's eighty years uh, old. Adam Chodikoff. Hi, hi, Chods. I know you're listening. Oh, hey, <laughs> he Chods. uses an iPad also. But sorry, yeah, he loves a tablet. You, you. So, wh- is that not like a? Would you guys? Is that an accurate um, generalization, or do you not? Feel I mean, that? I have I my I, I see a lot of small children using iPads, also. Yeah, like really small huh. kids. Wait a minute, that's what the Sphinx meant with her riddle. Exactly. What yeah. animal uses an iPad in the morning? Uses an iPhone in the afternoon, and uses an iPad again in the evening. It was man. It was man. The city of Thebes can be freed. Oh, finally we did it. We solved that riddle. Is that what the riddle did? I I just recently realized that I'm familiar with the riddle. I have no idea what the surroundings. Yes, that was because yeah. the Sphinx. That's I mean. Bonuses. You, 
You yeah. know Oedipus, right? The guy who married his mom? Like, sure. Before that play, oh, I call he him knows Rex. him. <laughs> I call him Rex. I, uh, we named him after the dog, Rex. Uh, the, uh, I mean, the, the dog? The backstory of that play is literally that he went to Thebes and answered the Sphinx's riddle and saved Thebes. And so it's like, that's the same same dude. So it's like, oh, not he does. they never really brought up how, they, they don't bring up much in this play how he like, Outwitted a monster, which would be an <laughs> interesting thing to do. But yeah. Anyway, so uh, anywho, what uh, a literary wow, maybe show. Maybe you should uh, marry Reese Witherspoon. Oh, yeah. we do yeah. li- both like books. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, this you is when Ashton. Thanks. You know about butts and candied. Yeah. Oh man, me and me and we have everything in common. She loves. How do you feel about mementos, or as Ashton Kutcher's character calls them, mentos? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So this is another thing. Ashton Kutcher, it's been established, hates mementos. He keeps saying they're his least favorite kind of mento, which we'll play in later. Yeah. But the thing is, he likes memento, but he comes up with kind of a BS explanation as Uh, to who the characters are and what they're doing. Yeah. They're all exist in his brain. (laughs) Yeah. Exactly. It all exists in his brain, much like Tignataro in this movie. Uh. So this is when Shiri Appleby comes in, and he's called her up, and she's like, why don't we come to my place? And he's like, eh, I'll just go home instead. And he then goes Jerk home. It. He go, yeah, Which no, is the same thing he did to the bartender. So he shows up and he's like, bartender's like, what do you have? He's like, I'd love a double Johnny Black, but I'll actually have this. And he did the same thing to her because by giving her a booty yeah. call, he's like, I'd like to have sex with you, but I'm not now, going to. Is that yeah. how you prefer uh, people to order their drinks? Like to have like a joke order before they tell you what they're actually uh-huh. ordering? Now, I, all, I love it more than anything. I love it when customers <laughs> do bits with me. Yeah. yeah. Now, all bartenders work all day on their feet, but Stu likes it when his patrons keep him on his toes. So come <laughs> exactly. on in, order something, and change it at the last minute. He loves that. Ashton goes back and talks to imaginary friend Tig Notaro about how when he met Reese Witherspoon 20 years ago, he fell instantly in love with her and meant to tell her how he felt, but he was, I guess, what, intimidated or something, so he waited a couple well, days. And then yeah. when he saw her again, she was with a boyfriend, so he didn't say anything. And by the time he was ready to tell her how he really felt again, she was pregnant. And Tignataro was like, why don't you just tell him, tell her now how you feel? And he's like, I can't do it. It's too big a risk. I can't do it. <laughs> and just wait for you guys to say something. You don't have anything. So the next day, I, th- I thought I, maybe- so, like, I thought I thought that the spring that winds you up had finally- <laughs> Gone no, down. I was like, I was like, you know what? You're I've been sharing. rushing. I've been, I've been interrupting them a lot. Let me let yeah. them talk and instead silence. Well, I mean, there's, there's no silence. indication we had anything to For say. Wow. Wow. Be fair. Right. I, guess, I guess that's a confirmation that you need to talk as much as you do. Uh, yeah. That's what that's what you well, just taught I'm me. So, so, un, you, I'm so, so you're gonna you're gonna reap the whirlwind was, on this one. It was confusing. <laughs> So my the brain next day, didn't know how to parse you not nope. saying words. Next, no, I've I've learned my lesson. I should just keep okay. talking until you force me to stop. Next day, Reese Witherspoon wakes up late <laughs> for her final, yet somehow still finishes it before some of her classmates. Can and I point t- out? She so she wakes up late for her final. She wakes up in bed with Theo, and he's like, "You're late for what?" And she makes up a story. But the thing is, when she first met him. He was with that professor, and he was like, I remember you from my class. She doesn't have to lie. <laughs> that's, that's true. We, Why is she I, lying? Also, at this point, we've skipped a, a thing that, like, I wanted to point out just in terms of, like, how bad this is. Oh, so you did is. have something to say before. <laughs> how bad this movie is about being either a New York or an L.A. movie. There's a point at which, like, they're out there talking, and they, like, talk about some poem about the, about the Brooklyn Bridge or whatever. And, like, uh-huh. they're, like, walking in Dumbo— Brooklyn Bridge Park, like, it's very recognizable if you live in New York, where they're at. And, like, she's talking about Brooklyn Bridge, and he's like, 
Yeah, but that's uh, one thing. That's the Manhattan Bridge. And like, guys, like the Brooklyn Bridge is also visible you from just where you are. It's it. right near you. Like, yeah. what is going on? Well, that's him. That's him gaslighting her and playing the game. You know, he's got to nag her a little bit, I yeah. guess. So he's been doing nothing yeah. but compliments. Time to time to take her down a peg. I don't like it. I don't approve Wait, of it. Wait, but back to Stuart's observation about the classes mm. uh, that she was taking. Mm-hmm. So she was not in this. English professor's class. So when the okay. professor says, you were in my class, he's just uh, remembering not, it wrong. Right. That's why I, remember, this testimony he's is He's remembering bad. seeing her. But yeah. wouldn't it be way fucking lamer if you were like a legit uh, editor of books and you were taking like English professor like 101 class? Like mm-hmm. that would be very, if you were- It would be I, confusing. I, yeah. Yes. I think now, it would be cooler to be taking an accounting class if you I agree. I have two because well, because you're learning the business side of your business, which is only yeah. going to help you. I mean, that's a that's a good thing to do. I've, I have two ex, two possible explanations. One is that uh, she she could say, "I only edit thin books. I was taking I was in your thick books class. I'm mm-hmm. learning about thick books. <laughs> yeah. I only worked with with thin books." Uh, <laughs> I majored uh, you know, in thin books. I majored yeah. in thin books. Uh, the journalist and the murderer. And then she uh, accidentally Jesus says son, quick books. books, and she's like, "That sounds like an accounting thing." Like, no, 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 I hate accounting. <laughs> no, accounting is quick books. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and also he's so into her. I think he's kind of not really doesn't really care. He doesn't really care about yeah. uh, how yeah, if yeah. her story checks out. Yeah, she's worried he might have post nut clarity. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> or, oh. Ask your ask your doctor if you're suffering from post nut clarity. <laughs> Uh, I've never heard that phrase. Oh, well, cool. You're not in the same chat rooms as Dan. <laughs> I didn't say it. Wait, Dan's yeah. not the one who said it. <laughs> What's going on? Now I want to see now I want to see that as a concept in in uh in porn in porn videos where instead of ending when the sex is over, the sex finishes and then the guy goes, "Oh, hold on a second. I have some bills I have to pay." <laughs> <laughs> it came to me. <laughs> the answer to the equation I've been working on these, oh. these many years. <laughs> That's yeah, finally I can I can solve that last theorem. Uh, uh, but she uh, she decides she wants to thank Ashton for what he's done for her and letting her stay there. So she goes out and buy like a bunch of house plants and rugs and pillows. And her aesthetic from just, is, yeah, from is like just a, as, from a street vendor. Like her uh, aesthetic is just as impersonal as his is. Like his looks like one kind of Airbnb. Hers looks like a different kind of Airbnb. And yeah. uh, the editor asks her out again, but. She finds another package hidden in Ashton's house. It's an envelope full of mementos of her. But he hates mentos? mementos. Not meant. It's an envelope full of mementos, the fresh maker. And she used it to sneak into backstage at a concert and to oh, have wow. her car moved by a bunch of big guys. <laughs> oh, man. That fucking flipped my wig when I saw that shit the first time. Like, you could just have dudes pick your car up and move it? Okay, yeah, man. Did I have I, I gotta said get on the this po- candy. Have I said on the podcast the mentos commercial that I that I have been that I always wanted to do that I came up with when I was a teenager sure, where uh, this is a, this is if I, if I've talked about it before on the podcast, I apologize. Pretend this is like the late Gilbert Gottfried on his project podcast talking about old ladies in Hollywood with their sex chimps story. He told many times, but uh, this uh, where you see a guy who's at a parade and he can't see over the crowd in front of him. He's like, Oh, he's so frustrated. He can't see over them. And then, eats a Mentos and comes up with an idea and then he runs up the stairs to a tower and then picks up a sniper rifle and you see through the sights and this is a Bruder film and he shoots President Kennedy and then the police burst through the door and he turns around and shows them the Mentos and they're all like, ah, oh, he did it. Like, well, that's yeah. a really good idea, dude. <laughs> that's a, that, if I worked at SNL, 
30 years ago. That would be my parody uh-huh. commercial uh-huh. that I would do. Nowadays, uh, that's like rife for like adult swimmers. It's I'm fine. Sure. They still do yeah, 30-year-old references. Oh, I should get that job. Uh, that's where I should be working. Okay, anyway, uh, he has all these mementos. It's all stuff from their relationship over the years, including a poker chip from the night they met, and she has a poker chip from the night they met. They both kept one. What would that mean? And uh, What are is the like, odds? Yeah, yeah, because of gambling. Let that one sit for a minute. Let that one sit for a minute. Yeah. The prestige. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Minka says to Reese, she's like, obviously you love Ashton and you always have. You have to, she goes, and she literally says, you have to take a chance. And Reese goes, I don't take chances, Uh, which is, she has already (laughs) gone cross country to take an accounting course so that she can make a big change in her career. Like she is taking a chance. Like we've seen her take chances. Is this a scene where she's like, I don't, I don't want to roll the dice. And Minka's like, Enough with the poker references. Yeah, that was funny. I wa- and I wanted them to go a little bit farther and have her say and have her make a joke about how there's no dice in poker, but mm. they they didn't. Uh, well, uh, wait, and there's no crying in baseball. I've been doing it all wrong all these years. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, uh, cry baby, Kalen, they call him. <laughs> cry baby, the slugger of the classic age. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't see the ball. Because <laughs> it was uh, the tears in his eyes. Uh, in a cab, Reese just flips through photos of her and Ashton and just remembers the night they met and how hot it was. Not as hot as your mom dancing in car lights in the woods in, in a see-through dress. My mom? How dare you? <laughs> get your name. Get, get her name out of your mouth. My no, mom, I'm sorry. Hello. I meant Mrs. Fableman. Ba, Mrs. Ba, Fableman. Ba, the dad is just like, son, son, record this. We need and to do somebody, emotional damage to you. Uh, somebody made like a fan cam out of that with some kind of like, uh, you know, like sexy song yet. Uh, uh, probably. Um, is that a sleepwalk? Hallie, I thought you were doing. I like to move it, move it, which would be a funny song for that scene. We're all ready for this. Now, what is this? This is Hallie's song. It was top of the. I think this was like the year I studied abroad that that. Was like became burned in my head as like the party so this song. Is, this you guys is an not, actual song. Do you guys not get that reference? Because I sing it, it to my uh, child every Friday. I'm not familiar. <laughs> Unless does does it? Are there every any appearances Friday. by any appearances by a banga bus in that song? Mm-hmm. No, but it's okay. So the banga similar. bus is not coming it's in got, that song. N- no, but it's okay. got the it's got the banga rhythm. Okay, then I'm not familiar with it. Okay, uh, and the editor at this dinner, he's like, Reese Witherspoon, I've got to tell you, I put you up for a job at a publisher, and I think you got you got you got an interview there, and I would hire you at my publisher, but if we're gonna have a relationship, we shouldn't be working together, which is very ethical on and his And he part. and he pitches it pretty well, like he's yes. like, even if we don't have, if there's any idea that we might explore this, like yes. he actually pitches it, and he's looking at her with those big eyes the whole time, and I'm like, damn big, girl, beautiful eyes. <laughs> He's a he's a great great catch for her, and this is intercut, however, with Jack playing in his first hockey game and getting injured. Oh no! So Reese is like, "I'm sorry, I think I'm in love with somebody else." Love, it's so crazy, right? And then she gets that phone, that phone call where Ashton Kutcher is like, "Uh, Jack's in the hospital. He got hurt playing hockey," and she's like, "What?" And she gets so mad, she demands to talk to her son, which I understand. You'd want to talk to your son in that moment. And he's like, "Mom, I had such a great week. I saw Alien. I got to play hockey. It was wonderful." But she's just so mad that he might be injured and she yells at Ashton and she hurries home right away. And 
Where does and she, she go? She tells him not to be there when she's there. And she goes, "Don't be, don't be there when I get there. Leave like, Jack alone." I want alone. my child to I, he, leave him alone. Exactly. <laughs> I, nobody <laughs> needs to leave. Uh, our shared delusion, Tignataro, can watch him. I guess <laughs> while you're away. Uh, and so they they meet up. They bump into each other at the airport, standing in for LAX, which it is clearly not if you've ever been to LAX, unless they've got a new new uh, terminal and. They bump into I each other. I keep seeing a mural for the Will Rogers State Park, which is a great state park. It's a beautiful beach. Okay. Yeah, but it's but, but there, the, that mural doesn't exist in LAX. Not as far as I know. I mean, LAX just everything about it looks different than that than that uh uh than there. That they don't have like any DIA. Honestly, that looked like the Denver Airport. That's what I thought. Be. Maybe I thought maybe it was filmed there. But I doesn't mean, the Denver why Airport? Would they go- Oh, sorry. I mean, it's all glass windows, and then it has those escalators or the people like, movers. Yeah, yeah. If it was LAX, they'd be having this conversation outside of what the Ford fuel station or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> or the or the lemonade uh, place or whatever it's called. Or and then I mean, and, uh, the only uh, things that are what are they called? <laughs> we don't know uh, people, at all. People Hallie, movers are or like for the listeners. Hallie the is taking two hands and just kind of moving them past each other. <laughs> they're not. They're not like as moving sidewalks flat, or people movers, but they're or, not next to each other. Like the two that are going different directions are on directions. opposite sides yeah. of a of a wall, and there are are no windows. Unlike DIA, where. They're, they look exactly Wait, like that. bragging about how good your airport is. <laughs> sorry. Not <laughs> sorry. Hallie, when we were watching wow. Battlefield Earth, uh, we were, I was like, oh, we need Hallie here to tell us how accurate this is to Colorado. Because the movie takes place in Denver. It takes place in, in the year 3000. Denver. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I got to see it. I've been. Uh, I've I been mean, to the year 3000. I, mean, I guess way. I'll just, I'll, I'll Buy a ticket to your chat. <laughs> Go to flophousepodcast.com slash stream. And you can see that you can see the show. It's a fun show. Uh they they bump into each other, they get mad at each other. She's mad at Ashton, Ashton's mad at her, and they yell at each other and separate until Reese trips and drops her poker chip memento. And that is what turns her around. And Ash she goes, Ashton, wait. She doesn't say Ashton. That's not his character in the <laughs> That'd movie. be wild if she did that right. <laughs> and uh Ashton goes, I'm so mad at you because I love you so much. And she's like, oh, so you love me? And he goes, no, I don't love you. I'm overwhelmingly in love with you. No, he didn't say overwhelming. He said, I'm madly in love with you. But he has Uh, a couple other words in there too, right? Truly madly, deeply. deeply. Yeah, truly, yeah. He says, says, I have love, Valora, compassion for you. But, uh, and, uh, they ma- and they start making out right there in the middle of whatever. I do love crimes. I have a sea of love for you. No, that's the best part was when he said, when she goes, does this mean we're not going to be friends? No, Debbie, we're not going to be friends. He sold and then, the shit And then he it. smushes his lips right Grabs on her lips. Her. And she's yeah. like, no, I did not. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> wow. <laughs> the thing is that like this, I don't know. It, the, it just, it didn't work for me. <laughs> I'm yeah. sorry, gang. No, no of, of course not. It didn't, not at all. You're it didn't right. work at all. It's totally, there's no, there's no feeling that they should be together at all. Yeah. And, and like, I feel like the actors are like, uh, I guess I got to play it this way. <laughs> like, I don't know. It feels I weird. mean, there's there's a there's a kind of passion in the characters that's missing. And like, I've seen, you've seen movies where characters are mad at each other and then suddenly they're mad. They're, it's because they have this passion that's welled up and they start making love to each other. Like that happens in movies mm-hmm. and you buy it. But in this one, it feels so like, it just feels very artificial. You know, it feels uh, very uh, forced. But anyway, Fifteen, maybe I'm wrong because 15 minutes later, as the text tells us, they're walking out of the airport holding hands, and then 
The text comes up again six months later, and we're told in text that Ashton's book has been published. In six fucking months. Come on. Six months later, the book, because it's just that good, Dan. It's just that good. I mean, that is not, (laughs) publishing is, runs very, very slow. It takes a long time, but they stopped the presses in Malaysia on all, on whatever Stephen King's new book is that they could print out Uh uh, Peter Coleman's book. (laughs) Yeah, James Uh, Patterson is pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Far out of this shit. I had 10 books coming out this year. Now I only have nine books coming out this year. Uh, the one of the things is the uh, so the text is telling us updating us uh, on what has happened in the intervening time. He's moved and, in. Reese is a, is an independent editor now. And they Jack's specify on the they'll they'll say specific things and then it'll specify in ellipses which character it applies to. And I'm like, yeah, no shit. I didn't think Reese Witherspoon was doing a lot of hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they they're they worried we're not watching the movie a lot. And then. Uh, that was we one of the, the jokes in the movie. That was one of the, <laughs> the ten jokes. Oh, okay. And there's I no just wasn't actual, used to them by that point. What's, what's weird about it is it's six months later, and it's showing this this over text over a shot through their window of them just being in their house. There's no scene here. They don't say anything. And then the camera pulls away, and the text is like, "And they lived happily ever after." Just kidding. Marriage is hard, but they had a happy life. It was like movie. It was like the end of Thor Ragnarok, where I was like, "Movie, you're over." End. There's no. We I, don't need more movie at this. Honestly, point. I kind of liked the, them saying they live happy ever after. No marriage is hard because, like, that is a problem with rom coms. It's just like it ends and like it's like. And now, at the moment of purest happiness, we're going to pretend that like this will last forever. Yeah, I want glad to be that like the movie a- maintained a steady uh, level of realism. <laughs> yeah. You want to be like I'm they, just looking- they had fought so hard for it for the for the whole movie. Why? Looking- why? Blow it now. For the pearl (laughs) and the sea of gritty oysters that this movie has served me. You want it to be like the Buster Keaton movie. I think it's I Do, but I can't remember which one, where he gets the girl at the end, he finally wins her, and then it fades to black and it fades up to them as old people who hate each other. Mm, (laughs) And then it goes to the end. That's a good gag. Yeah, the same way that a... I think it's in Cops where he's he's trying to get the girl and he fails to get her at the end and then it cuts to a tombstone with his hat on it that says the end. <laughs> it's like, why are you leaving us on a down note? Wow, the show Cops. Yeah. Yeah. Took a twist. Keaton was arrested on the show Cops. <laughs> Bad boy. <laughs> they call him the great stone face, guys. <laughs> so must- that was uh, your place or mine. Uh, it's a romantic comedy with, as we're saying, not so a little bit of rom, not so much calm. But let's give our final judgments on it, shall we? Uh, yes. Is this a good bad movie? A bad bad movie? A movie we kind of like? I'm going to say it's a bad bad movie. However, it does serve its purpose uh, as a Netflix uh, release, which is provides a thumbnail to fill that some, screen. <laughs> something mildly pleasant to have on while you're doing chores around the house. Yeah, even if there's nobody talking, there's probably a car song playing. Yeah, you'll follow the plot because there'll be no surprises. <laughs> It'll be okay. It was very funny watching it. I watched the first half of the movie with with Danielle, and the second half I watched on my own. And the first half, Danielle's like, oh, and now she's going to give the manuscript to the editor, and he's going to be mad about it because she did it without asking him, but she did it anyway, and that's going to— I was like, huh, have you seen this movie already? And she just—she was able to just— Connect those dots so easily. I would also say it's a bad, bad movie, but it is not a it's not a painful movie. But yeah, it's yeah. kind of like a it's a you know it's it's a it's like an HGTV movie. Like you throw on an HGTV show and you're like, this isn't 
I'm not, this is not a show that's doing much for me, but it's, it is filling the time between now and death in a way that is not, <laughs> yeah. not, dis, is not, uh, dis, disgusting or, uh, unpleasant or, you know. Yeah, I'm stuck in this hotel man. room. I guess this episode of Pawn Stars will get me through the day. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess I'm with you both. I, uh, I will say that I like, like a lot of romantic comedies, I liked a lot of the uh, supporting characters uh, and they brought a little bit of life to an otherwise fairly dreary, exposition-heavy movie. Uh, so yeah, bad, bad. You wonder, how would this movie be different if it was like Zoe Chow and Jesse Williams as the leads? Not doing the exact same characters as Reese Witherspoon and Asha Kutcher, but like putting the putting the characters who have like a more of a spark about them. But maybe it's because when you're in one of those supporting roles, you have more to prove. Like this could yeah. be a big break for your career as opposed to just the next movie you're pumping out. And I wonder if that's why those roles often are like the are the breakout roles because the person who has them has more of an incentive to like make something of it. Hallie, what was your judgment? Okay, guys, I'm coming down hard. Okay. Uh, I have a lot. I, I, I've held, I've held, it held, it, held it back a little bit, but I want to say what I think. I think this is a bad bad movie and I was offended by it. And the reasons why are- Tell us, tell us. Because it was so, like, if you're gonna be bad, be bad in a certain way. Like be bad with character. Like what was that movie that we watched with- uh, Oh, Me, You, Madness? Yes, exactly. Be bad that way. But if it's a movie, especially if it's a movie, not a TV show, like- it made me so angry that this movie was so generic, despite yeah. having these big stars. Like, really, the fact I and and it made me even more angry because before I saw this movie, I heard an interview with uh, Eileen Brosh McKenna, who was talking about how like one of her um, like one of the skills that she learned when she was making this network show for uh, when she was doing Crazy Ex Girlfriend was like she was became very flexible about like making things cheaper. And then when I was watching this movie, I was like, why did you make this so cheap? Like if it's going to be a movie, just like pay for it to be a fucking movie and don't have like, we've, we've obviously talked a lot about how this, like both cities were like completely drained of character, but like the charm of like shitty B movies is that it actually gives you like a sense of character of Mm -hmm. the place that it's set in because it's so budget you know? Um, but this was just like a sad, um, like it made me really sad about like what our goals are in making movies in the future. And I also will say, okay, I thought like Ashton Kutcher was way better than Reese Witherspoon in this movie. Did you guys not think that? Because I, I believed Ashton Kutcher and like Maybe maybe Reese Witherspoon was given the heavier lift of like the like totally nonsensical plot twists, but yeah. like because like that whole thing about like I found this thing in his oven. I can't talk about it with him, but I can't read it. Like I feel like that 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 was the the level the way that was used at as this huge plot device. Um felt so inauthentic yeah. Um, yeah. that I, that it made her seem bad. And I was like, wait, but I've seen her in so many things where I really liked her. So why do, am I believing Ashton Kutcher so much more than I'm believing Reese Witherspoon? Is Ashton Kutcher better? And I don't think that that's necessarily true because she has been good in so many things. But this did not highlight- I think, I think my theory on that, 
is that Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher are both giving kind of the similar levels of energy. But Ashton Kutcher, like you're saying, is being asked to do less. He has a character who can coast on charm, and her character mm-hmm. cannot coast on charm. Like, it's not that kind of thing. You can just drive his fancy rental car. I will also say two other things, which is, like, you expect more out of her, whereas, like, look, I mean, I I have fond enough feelings towards Ashton Kutcher, but I'm not, like, this is, like, I'm not generally, like, oh, this is, like, an actor's actor. No, but all I was looking for just was, like, authenticity. Yeah. It wasn't like I was expecting some great performance, but I was, like, this Reese Witherspoon looks silly in this movie, and she looks like she's acting, versus Ashton Kutcher, who was, like, yeah, I believe that there's this fucking right. stupid kind of dude. Well, the other thing I wanted to say is I, I do think that, like, she's given a harder lift because Ashton Kutcher's given a very simple, likable thing to play, which is, like, he's going to come into this life and he's going to provide something for this child that he, the kid has been missing, like, this looseness that the kid has been missing. And that is, like, relatable and understandable in a way that, like, you know, she's off having misadventures that don't, really add up to much like well i don't know but but also i feel this is something i guess this is a larger problem with movies is that anytime there's a character who is anxious and protective and a character who is like hey roll with the punches let's just live that second character is always going to be proved right i think the only movie i can think of where someone takes the responsible choice is like a thousand clowns maybe where Mm, he he gives uh, up uh, kramer versus kramer Oh yeah, I guess. Well, it's, I don't know exactly if that's like. I mean, he's a responsible character, but I know if Meryl Streep is just kind of like a "Hey, loosen up, live and let live" character in that. I mean, she kind of has a breakdown and runs away. But yeah, the, uh, but but it's she right off but the. But she bat, doesn't take the kid back. No, that's true. But but very few. Okay, so there, but the majority of movies are all about how you got to loosen up, and so she right off the bat also is playing a character who you know is going to be proven wrong. His character is maybe going to learn a little bit more responsibility, but he doesn't really. He's proven right because what every chance he takes with Jack turns out fine. Even when he gets injured, it's fine. He's not really hurt badly. And so to have a character like Reese Witherspoon where you know from moment one, the movie is telling you her arc is to learn how to take chances and not be safe. And that Ashton Kutcher's arc is to be less self-involved, I guess, but he's not particularly self-involved. Like we never see him being – he keeps saying – I'm a real piece of shit, but he's not. He doesn't do anything particularly. He's not cheating on his girlfriend in the beginning. He's not he's making just sloppy not ambitious. mistakes or anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. so it's so she has a she has a they've given her a hard challenge. But I think Hallie, you're right. You're so right about the genericness of it. And I feel like the most damning thing I can say about the movie is that like the word content to mean our entertainment or artistic creative stuff. This movie is content. Like it's not. You know, there's no. It doesn't feel like there's any sense of like. Um, like artistic inspiration or anything. It's just kind of mm-hmm. like, hey, let's, and and I apologize to the creators of the film if uh, if they were like, we worked hard on that. It's a special story to us. But it and comes off as- And we were hoping to hire Elliot. Uh, um, please still do. Uh, we, were, hopefully- we were, we had the phone in our hand and then we thought, wait, this podcast just popped up. They're like, before I, yeah, before I call Elliot, let me listen to the most recent episode of his podcast. <laughs> I dialed every number except for the last number, and then mm-hmm. they changed the number, which goes to Tony Gilroy instead of you. No, no and Tony you Gilroy ha- is you know like— that you have the exact same number except for that last I one. I know, and meanwhile, no, Tony Gilroy's podcast, I, he's like, well, I this inter- loved this movie. I loved it. It was great. But, but the interview that I heard, like, it made me really sad because I, in retrospect, it didn't make me sad when I was listening to it, but it was like— she was she was talking about how this was the first thing she had ever directed. Yeah. I and how, you know, now she has the experience of being a writer, director, and yeah. and it was like, girl, 
girl, sometimes you got I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. We you were- guys don't get that meme because it's um, uh, America's Next Top Model, Tyra oh, okay. Banks meme, but for all the mm-hmm. ladies out there, you got it. <laughs> or men who watch America's Next Top Model or non-binary people who watch America's Next Top Model. True, it's not just true, 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 true. Uh, Anyone who gets that meme- you got that. Meme. As a director, wonder- you got to kiss a lot of frogs is what we're saying. <laughs> uh, but I wonder if if it was like, I'm a first-time director. I'm going to take it easy. And I wonder if she was the Reese Witherspoon as director. She was taking it safe instead of making big swings. Because I feel like but the first time no, director— I mean, I think that I blame actually Netflix because I think Netflix makes everything bad. Yeah, Netflix is— I mean, there was a time, you know, towards the beginning of getting to streaming where they had to, like, make a name for themselves. So they're like, okay, let's— and Roma, they made Roma. They made Roma, And, you know, they still do great. I mean, like, they they, they, they still do or acquire great stuff from time to time. But I do think that, they, like, as now they're big, they're just like, okay, we just got to keep shoveling coal on this thing. And we can't pay attention to whether it's good coal or bad coal. You know. What's bad coal? Uh, All coal is pretty bad. Yeah, coal is a. I mean, the good coal, I Except guess, for is the coal you don't. Have you seen the affair? That's a bad coal. Uh, for all the affair watchers out there, you get that. But he's not really that bad. He's not really that bad. You know what she's talking about. I remember there were definitely scenes set around uh, uh, Grand Army Plaza, maybe, and I was like, "Oh, I've been there." No, oh, there yeah. were a bunch of scenes set in Greenpoint. There was one set at the pencil factory. What the fuck? Yeah. The affair, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> more narrow casting, more Brooklyn narrow casting, yeah. Hey there, beautiful people. I am your favorite authoress, Trayvell Anderson, of We See Each Other, a black trans journey through TV and film. You know, this is supposed to be a promo for our show, Fanti, and not your book, right? It's called Multitasking. I can't with you right now. Trayvell and I have an <laughs> award winning show called Fanti that we both host, and it's a podcast where we dig into the complex and complicado mm-hmm. conversations about the gray areas in our lives. Perhaps there is a public figure of some sort, and you're like, oh, that person's so smart and so charming, but you're also like, oh, that person gets on my nerves. Okay, okay. You can catch us every week right here on Max Fun or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. And you can watch us on the YouTube every Friday. That's Fanti. F-A-N-T-I. Since we reached our highest milestone during the Max Fun Drive, we are creating a Max Fun Foley library full of sound effects from your favorite hosts. The whole Max Fun community will be able to use it. So, what would you like it to feature? People high-fiving? Walking through mud? Chicken clucking? Jazz kazoo? Head to MaximumFun.org Foley. That's MaximumFun.org F-O-L-E-Y and submit your ideas. We're excited to make this silly thing together and even more excited to see what you all create with it. And thank you again for a great Max Fun Drive. Oh, hey! You know, in addition to talking about uh, movies and stuff, sometimes we do ads, and this is one of them. (laughs) Uh, You know, our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Uh, I don't know. Dan is often the pitchman for this because Dan is a user, as am I. It is a product that (laughs) we both endorse. Uh, Not a user in like the... I just didn't know why you had to specify that. Like if you also have the Microdose Gummies, why do you have to go back to IK? I'm trying to say that we're we're both big fans. Um, (laughs) So Microdose Gummies provide a perfect entry-level dose of THC that helps you feel the right 
amount of good. Uh, I'm a fan. Uh, it helps me wind down at the end of the day. It helps me sleep. Uh, it helps me feel more creative at times. They're, uh, they're great. I'm a big fan. Um, microdose gummies are available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code FLOP to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in our show description, but again, that's microdose.com, code FLOP. You know, have you noticed, uh, have you noticed everyone seems to have a webpage these days? Have you I noticed do, this? Yeah. You seen this? <laughs> <laughs> Even me, I've got one. You know how I, how, I, how I made it? I made it with Squarespace, the all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. Stand I like out to with think beautiful- Dan goes to open mic nights at stand-up clubs <laughs> and does the same ad. <laughs> it's conceptual. This is a joke, right? <laughs> it's sort of an Andy Kaufman sort of. Uh, stand out with a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything, your products, content you create, even your time. Now, you're selling your time in that, like a time that you're devoting to a task. One cannot transfer time to another person as in uh, the movie in time that is that is science fiction where we deal here in life in science fact i'm so glad you're clarifying this <laughs> yeah so uh you can display posts from your social profiles on your website and push website content to your social media channels easy way to make sure your followers see it too uh squarespace has powerful blogging tools you can use to share stories, photos, videos, updates. Uh, and every Squarespace website and online store comes with a suite, a whole suite. Imagine a suite filled of these integrated SEO features and useful guides to help maximize prominence among search results. That's, That's search, search engine, engine optimization. optimization. Yeah. Not Head search to. engine optimist prime. No, that would be S-E-O-P, C-O-P. Mm. <laughs> Head to squarespace.com slash flop for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use offer code FLOP to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. We've got a Jumbotron for today. It's a regular Tron. But Jumbo. Thank you. Not a Dumbotron, which of course be a Jumbotron just for people who live in the Dumbo neighborhood of Brooklyn. More narrow casting. This is a Jumbotron. It goes nationwide and worldwide. And it's from Is This Place Trash? Is This Place Trash is a podcast where Eric and Alexander Dahl read reviews and share stories while determining if a place is trash or if the reviewers are just pretentious. It's the perfect podcast for anyone who loves business reviews and wants a good laugh. So tune in and enjoy the show, and who knows, you might even learn something about the world of business. Just remember, one person's trash is another person's treasure, or in this case, one reviewer's trash is another's entertainment. Listen and subscribe to Is This Place Trash today. Learn more at www.isthisplacetrash.com. Listen on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and so we move on from this to letters. From listeners Anthony, like er, you. What? <laughs> never mind. mind. <laughs> you going to tell a story about your husband? No, never mind. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let's see. Letters. They go like this. Dear Peaches, while I was catching up on your back catalog, I was thrilled to hear that the great awakening preacher, Jonathan Edwards, got a moment in the sun in episode 347, Me, You, Madness with Hallie Hagland. Edwards was the subject of my master's Hallie thesis. Hallie Wait a minute. That is that the same Hallie Hagland we have today? Yeah. Wow. It's almost like we're crossing over into this episode. Uh, yeah, it's part Different of why Jonathan Edwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, me madness with Hallie Hagland. Edwards was the subject of my master's thesis that I recently completed, <laughs> and I. 
feel a certain. I really thought the same, Jonathan. <laughs> I feel a certain familiarity with the figure. So when Elliot proclaimed that one of the most influential figures of the 18th century was also a psychic and paid $400 for haircuts, I was filled with astonishment and dread that this new revelation of historical fact has left my own research irrelevant outdated and simply incorrect here i pause the letter to thank stewart for closing the door so loudly that it was almost certainly picked up by the microphones thus You're undermining we're gonna have to scrap it we're gonna have to scrap it all secret Guys, let's take trip it back to, the to the bathroom the you know what burn it down dance new apartment where we all have new identities now forget it uh <laughs> psychic or not i've always thought that jonathan edwards would make a great subject for a blockbuster biopic Perhaps starring Mark Rylance or Jonathan Price. Ooh. My question for you is what historical Bofo figure? Bofo Jonathan Price. I'm just kidding. I love him. He's one of my favorite <laughs> actors. <laughs> what historical figure or event that hasn't graced the silver screen do you think would make a great movie? Bonus points if you cast the leads. I'll give you a chance to to think while by reading the postscript. Uh, P.S. As a Kansas native, I would be remiss not to share my thoughts on Topeka, Kansas. My main association with our great capital is the sickening, sickeningly greasy stench of the potato chip factory mm. that I have to drive past on my way to work in Lawrence, the real gem of northeast Kansas. I also noticed during my morning commute that traffic only flows into Topeka, but never out of it, proving mm. that no one who can, can help it would ever live in Topeka. Or maybe there's a more sinister, once you enter, enter you can never leave thing going on there. Keep on flopping in the free world. Alec, last name without. Now, I would suggest that if it's during your morning commute, it's probably just that people from the subject suburbs are going into Topeka. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not that people and people in Topeka don't tend to leave en masse to go to their jobs outside of the city. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm so knows? glad to hear more thoughts on Topeka, Kansas, because we've kind of lost, we dropped the ball a lot. And I want to apologize to the listeners. Uh-huh, For a long yeah. time, as you know, this was a movie podcast. Then it became a movie podcast where people could also share their thoughts about Topeka, Kansas. And yep. we've really dropped the ball and got our eye off that ball. No wonder we dropped it. Our eye wasn't on it. Uh, and I'm glad to bring it back. Of course, Lawrence, Kansas, we all know, is amazing. Every I've only ever heard good things about Lawrence, Kansas. But Topeka, still controversial. So if you have thoughts about Topeka— Please write into the Flophouse and share it with us. I'd love to do a whole Topeka episode someday. A mini, probably. Who knows? Unless there's a movie about Topeka, Kansas. Write in and tell me, because I don't know. Speaking of movies, let's talk about movies based on historical figures, because I've got an answer, unless you guys would like to go first. Why don't you go first? You should go first, buddy. Now, uh, a figure that I... They had, there is a movie made about him that I haven't seen, but I would like to see an American movie made about it, is Toussaint Louverture, of course, one of the leaders of the Haitian Rebellion, uh, one of the few successful slave rebellions, the rebellion that turned Haiti from a colony of France into uh, a democratic country in its own right. They've had their ups and downs since then. But uh, the Black Napoleon, as he was sometimes called, I think his story would be a fascinating one. Who would I cast at him? Well, he's already played a revolutionary. How about Daniel Kaluuya, huh? Well, he'd be great. He'd be fantastic. Or if it's the older Toussaint Louverture, Sterling K. Brown, I think would also do a fantastic job. They're both great actors. Now, that being said, the movie I've always wanted to make, I think I've talked about it before, it's a script that I have been working on for a long time, is a movie about Chester A. Arthur, a president whose story I think is really interesting, even though nobody remembers who he is except for his mutton chops. Who would I cast as him? Matt Berry, probably. Anyway, what do you guys say? Uh, I'm going to go with something that has been... 
I find adapted for a few television things, uh, but has not had a movie made about it. Um, Growing Pains? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a tale of, uh, I guess, a family. I don't know. And that's all there is about it. I don't know <laughs> if there's any premise to Growing Pains other than it's a family. Uh mm-hmm. <laughs> No, uh, so I read the book um, Arthur and George by Julian Barnes, which is a fictionalized uh, version of a real-life thing about uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle uh, helped clear the name of a half-Indian lawyer who had been accused by you know people in the the, the neighborhood to uh, of mutilating animals, and they were like set on convicting him for uh, obvious racist reasons uh, for the most part. And Conan Doyle, you know, did some of his own investigation, uh, taking on the mantle of a detective himself briefly to help clear the name of this man. And uh, it also led to the establishment of the Court of Appeals to, you know, prevent further uh, miscarriages of justice. And I just think that that would be, it seems like the sort of story that would be catnip to 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 a, a movie maker to have yeah, Arthur Conan the creator Doyle's. of Sherlock Holmes doing some solving crimes. Does it bother you that they haven't made a movie about that? But I think they did make a movie about when he was fooled into thinking fairies were real. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, but you know, he shouldn't have thought fairies were real. Like that's yeah. that's dumb of him. <laughs> we, can, we, we can drag Conan Doyle over that. Conan Doyle yeah. is such a funny character. That goes I mean, in the jeers section of his Wikipedia page. Yeah, that, um, <laughs> we really need to start putting those on more Wikipedia pages. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, Hitler section is a lot big jeers. No, big jeers section. Oh uh, no! The uh, that Arthur Conan Doyle, as as many people have said before me, created the character who is all about rational deduction, and he was ready to believe whatever nonsense came his way. Yeah. Like how, he was friends with Houdini, and how he's like Houdini. I know you have real magic powers. And Houdini's like, no, I don't. And he's like, I know you have to pretend you don't, but trust me, your secret is safe with me, Arthur Conan Doyle. He's a, he's an interesting character. Uh, yeah. Uh, back in, a couple months back, I did a uh, trip to San Francisco, and while I was there, I did a, a tour of Alcatraz, which is now a, uh, what, like, a, it's a federal uh, park, state, uh, Yeah, it's a park. National, national historic national park, park, I think. Thank you. And uh, one of the things that uh, one of the things I learned is that uh, after the prison was shut down of being a prison, it was occupied by a group of uh, Native American revolutionaries. Yeah, uh, part of, it's for, part of the American Indian movement, right? Yeah, and yeah. it uh, it led to a bunch of changes, and they were eventually forcefully ejected. But it was the longest occupation of U.S. land, uh, what in history or something by uh and it's uh yeah it was really fascinating it was like it was like over a year and a half long right like yeah it was, really it, was a, it was a long time and after uh you know after they the uh they were ejected uh and everything was cleaned up they ended up bringing people back in to uh kind of redo all the graffiti that would like recreate the graffiti that was left by the uh the occupiers um, and now it, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's really fascinating and it's not something, uh, I knew before going there. Hal, you don't have to have something if you don't, but if you do, this is your chance. All right. This isn't a very good idea, but I wanted <laughs> Let's to provide one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was no, just I thinking think we about it. Could work. Well, I don't actually know the true story of, but okay. So, you know, there are all these movies 
these IP movies about like the inventor of the mop and like the yeah, inventor yeah, yeah. of Tetris and all this stuff. There was that IP movie about IP Freely, the uh, the author <laughs> of the book The Yellow River. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> what I think He's without knowing the actual origin story, I would love to know the origin story of the American Girls Collection and how oh. it evolved from this sort of like uh educational resource that they were trying to teach girls about history to like, I don't know, just like design a doll that looks like you and and take it out to the store. Um, yeah, it's kind of like a Build-A-Bear now, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that there could be some real sinister plot twists in that, having <laughs> not knowing the real story at all. That's my that's a, that's a good idea. I remember every time I hear about the American Girl dolls, which is frequent in the, in the circles I travel in. Uh, yeah, uh-huh. the, I think about, there's a book I read. Yeah. Once you hear that was, people saying, Elliot, why do you have so many American girl dolls? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Please put that American girl doll down. Stop. What, what are, are you doing? doing why are you hitting to that American, American girl, doll? girl doll? Yeah. Tom yeah. Petty came in and he's like, uh, oh, I thought I liked American girls, but this guy, yeah, <laughs> he's a ghost at this point, right? <laughs> yeah. The ghost of Tom Petty <laughs> was roasting you. Yeah. That was a ghost roast. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's an only ghost With do the most. Yeah, yeah, worst kind. Uh, the uh, there's a book I read years ago about Russian writers writing about their experiences in America, and one of them he was saying how he saw a sign in Times Square that said "American Girl Show," and this was in the '90s, and he was like, "Yeah, this is gonna be hot." That like this will be it, it's Times Square oh, no. American Girl Show, and he and his friend went to it, and it was only as the lights were going down that they realized the audience was entirely moms and little girls, and then they watched as it was like a pa- like a pageant of like people playing different American Girl characters, but they had gone in expecting it to be like a strip club, you know. I thought this was really funny. I feel like they, they should have noticed that earlier. <laughs> the what? Yeah, yeah. That they were just surrounded by little girls. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, it's like in a horror movie when you realize you're the only people in the tavern that aren't werewolves. <laughs> yeah. Or like when I went <laughs> to see the circus and I looked around <laughs> as a single man. And I'm like, you oh. were the only single man because <laughs> you did buy. We, what, what were the souvenirs we said you, you bought there? Like those long, like fiber optic strands that like, like yeah. glow and stuff. I just wanted. So cool. I just wanted to see the circus. You want the full experience. So I get it. Yeah, I mean the uh, circus doesn't exist anymore. You chose. You you had to see it. You wouldn't get another chance. This is from Jeff. This letter. Jeff. Hey Jeff. Who writes? Hey flop dog. Hey Jeff. The Jeff, Jeff. Left That's right. Club. That's right, Jeff. Hey flop dogs. In the spring of 1995, some friends and I were driving from Portland, Oregon, to Eugene, Oregon, for a punk show. Checks note. out. Those things existed at that time. <laughs> Side note: I think it was for the fir- for the first "Man Is the Bastard" show out of California, and we passed a movie triplex on the side of on the side of the highway that was playing Tommy Boy, Bad Boys, and Rob Roy. <laughs> this rhyming triplet stuck in my head, and frankly, it sounds like a pretty good triple feature. So, dudes, what's your rhyming triple feature? Thanks for all the great listing fun. I love that this is not the question that Dan sent us ahead of time. He said, "Well, just, I thought it would be more fun to surprise you with this." Okay, one. I guess so. <laughs> Sometimes I make a calculated. Uh, I'm gonna. <laughs> Tim Roth is such a fun bad guy in Rob Roy. Oh he is. boy! And that's a perfect example of a movie when the villain kills a dog, and you're like, "That guy's got to go." <laughs> uh, I'll give you a little time by choosing a movie that's in theaters and building upon that. Um, my triple feature will be of Air. Mm-hmm. Hair yeah. and cocaine bear. <laughs> oh, yeah, good combination. I you were going to say con air. Con air. Well, I mean, that's kind of just a 
not really a rhyme, but I guess they the, I mean, use boy, boy and boys. bad boys, yeah. Yeah, so look, we, we can go by uh, Madonna Vogue uh, <laughs> rules where she says, come on, come on, let's get to it. Strike a pose. There's nothing to it. Like, sure. Uh, mine is, a- yeah, mine is going to be kind of a, a slant rhyme. Uh, it's I'm gonna it's Mean Streets, mm-hmm. Heart Beeps, mm-hmm. and then a movie that <laughs> doesn't Schrader? exist. And then yeah, Paul Schrader's Heart Beeps, and then a movie that doesn't exist, Mean Streeps, which is about <laughs> Meryl Streep just being mean, <laughs> just being a real. I guess like the again, which I guess is just the Devil Wears Prada, but instead we would call it Mean Streep. Mean Streep oh, yeah. is pretty good idea for like a you know a being John Malkovich style. Like we're just gonna take someone. Yeah. And like build a thing. Sorry, Stuart, we gonna uh yeah, I was gonna do a bad one for everybody. Uh so I'm gonna do first man, thirst, and men. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. See? What about this one? Okay. Toy soldiers. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Toy story. Mm-hmm. A marriage story. <laughs> <laughs> now, the rhyming aspect just doesn't exist, which is now, fine. Yeah. That's more of a, almost oh, a wheel wait, of no, fortune before and after. Up. They're taking us away. <laughs> but that's something for everyone. The that's something cups. for the whole family. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just wanted a wide sort of variety yeah. of types of movies that people would enjoy. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. We did that thing. <laughs> Let's move on to the last thing, which is where we recommend movies that we have Seen uh, usually recently that we enjoyed, maybe could be something you could watch instead of dialing up Reese Witherspoon and Aston Kutcher on on your Netflix box. Um, I'm gonna recommend a movie. Elliot uh, makes fun of me claiming that I have nothing but time to go see movies in the theater, so I decided to prove him right by going out <laughs> and seeing a five hour montage <laughs> yesterday. Uh, this, is, this is a cool recommendation because just anybody can go watch this Yeah, movie, well, right? you can find this. If you look, poke around <laughs> the internet. If you really give a shit, you can find <laughs> if you it. you poke around the internet, you can. Uh, this will all make sense in a second. I saw The Movie Orgy, which is a movie that um, is not commercially available, doesn't do like regular screenings. The screening I went to was uh, $0. You just had to write in to reserve your seat or whatever. Uh, because it is a, <laughs> you had to write a letter and del- have someone deliver it at midnight, <laughs> and then a key would be given to you. Yeah, now, uh, it's it's made up of parts of a bunch of other movies. Like it has Attack of the Fifty Foot Woman, Amazing Colossal Man, or so. Uh, and and who made this? This is Joe Dante. This was early mm-hmm. on. Small he, Soldiers, Joe Dante? Yeah, he used to do this kind of as like an ever-evolving road show where he would just like show it in person because, again, this is all copyrighted material and he would uh, change it up. Apparently, at one point, there was like a seven-hour version of this. And I got to yeah. say, I, I really loved seeing the movie Orgy, but it was pushing it at five hours. Like, it was well, still remember, kind of like— I remember once hearing and reading an interview with him where he was like, the whole point—he's like, you're not supposed to sit through the whole thing. He goes, yeah. you're supposed to watch a little bit, go out and do something, come back and watch some more, go get something to eat. So, But I don't know how you—but it, it's we're not programmed to keep leaving and coming back to movies. Yeah. Like, you sit down in a movie, you watch it. Yeah, and You I, should know you that, know, Joe Dante— I definitely would have because there came a point where I was very hungry and thirsty, but I was also like, <laughs> I'm dying. When am I ever going to see this? Um, where, where do you see it? What theater? It was at Anthology Film Archives. and uh, you know, Which I is, went specializes to it. in that kind of thing. 
Yeah. And you said the whole crowd looked just like you. Like yeah, it was a Dan Flash, but for this Dan. 95% of the audience was also sort of middle-aged, bearded movie nerds. <laughs> but it's a really like – For Joe Dante's vintage five-hour <laughs> supercut of old movies and commercials and things? All right. Yeah. Like if you're still having kind of a hard time picturing what it is, like – a lot of the edits are done for for comic effects. There'd be like a lot of things where they would show the whole opening credits to a movie and then have one little bit of it and then cut abruptly to a the end. And it, 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 every time it got me. Like it was funny every time. <laughs> there were there were these like old buffering commercials. One of which I like was really haunting. It's like the short story of like a of a pain reliever commercial where it's like this dad shooting a rifle and showing his kid how good he is at shooting this rifle and the kid doesn't want to do it. And, and like want, doesn't want to be like masculine rifle guy like the dad. And, and there's like a gunshot as the dad angrily continues his uh, target practice and the mom clutches her head in pain and then she's like you see her inside with all the dad is shooting outside as she puts buffer in in her hand and it says sensitive is this something like sensitive people people who are sensitive to others are often sensitive to headaches or something like that and it's this like haunting vision of this family in 30 seconds all to be like hey man is life giving you pain <laughs> try buffering <laughs> So it's a lot of like stuff like that cut together. Again, you can find it on the internet if you want to. Like it'll be no less illegal than the way that Joe Dante shows it as a traveling road show. So go ahead and track it down if it sounds interesting and don't sit all five hours. Parcel it out to yourself, but it's a lot of fun. Anyone else? That sounds great. I'm going to recommend a movie that's streaming, I think, on Peacock. Mm. Peacock, anybody? Yeah, I'm familiar Maybe. with it. We'll find <laughs> out. Is this on? I'm going to recommend <laughs> a animated movie. I'm recommending uh, Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. That's right. It's a movie about Puss in Boots. I have not seen the previous <laughs> Puss in Boots. I think it's a Shrek spinoff. This is. one is fucking great. Uh, not only do you have some... Now, normally I'm a little skeptical of like top drawer voice talent, and this one's got and a lot of it. Spin-offs. It's got Antonio Banderas. It's got Salma Hayek. The 13th got, Warrior himself? It's got Florence Pugh. Mm. It's got Ray Winstone, ladies. Uh oh, Ray Winstone. <laughs> uh, it's got Olivia Coleman. It's great. John Mulaney, everybody. Um, and uh, yeah, like the action's great. And the, like, I don't know, the, the, despite being a movie that has a lot of action and some really great set pieces, it still manages to, fo- like, the focus of the movie is not on, like, beating people up, but rather like coming to terms with your own like mortality and limitation and figuring out what's important in your life. And I found it to be really touching and uh, visually very stimulating. Mm. Elliot? I think I, so Dan recommended a kind of like student art collage of vintage movies and Stuart recommended an adventure about a cat who is facing his own mortality. And I think my movie is kind of in the middle of that Venn diagram, which is, this is a classic Russian film called The Ascent from 1977, uh, directed by Larissa Shepitko. Uh, And it is the story, it's a story set in World War II. Uh, These two soldiers who are with a unit that is uh, 
almost more just like Russians who are trying to survive more than soldiers. Uh, they were sent out to find food from a nearby farm uh, in the dead of winter while the Germans were after them and managed to have a lot of trouble finding the people they're supposed to find and get captured by the Germans, leading to a real um, decision of whether they are going to give information or not give information. And each one takes a different path and their lives go in very different directions. And there's a sense of a real uh, bleakness, a real uh, horror, not the horror of like blood and guts, but the horror of uh, a life where there seems to be no justice and there seems to be no escape. And I found it very powerful and very moving. And one of the moments in it that really got to me was uh, there's a Russian who is a collaborator who is interrogating them and is acting like he is in charge and the big cock of the walk. And then later you see him trying to get into a huddle of German soldiers basically and they just are ignoring him and giving him the cold sh shoulder, no pun intended because it's very cold in the movie. And just this moment of seeing where that guy sits on the hierarchy uh, was so was so powerful to me. And so it's a movie that is not a fun movie. I would say it does not have the uh, – it's not the uh, generic uh, calming presence of uh, your place or mine. But uh, I found it to be really a really fantastic movie and very beautiful in its kind of um, – the depths of the soul that it reaches down to. So that's The Ascent. Uh, Hallie, what have you got for us? What are you going to recommend? Um, this is pretty weak. Uh, <laughs> You're like, your let place or mine? Let us be the judge of this. Uh, okay, so I, wait, what did you say, Dan? To let us be the judge of this. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, so I was on a plane yesterday and um, I watched part of this movie that is the kind of movie you only watch on a plane, the kind of movie I only watch on a plane because it's like, I recognize the stars, but they clearly didn't want me to see this because this movie <laughs> has not been out there. So it's I, it's called like Alice Darling or Darling Alice starring hmm. Anna Kendrick, uh, who I'm not usually a big fan of, but this was a thriller about a motion. <laughs> very small, but they weave it into the plot in this she one. She could I, be anywhere. They, that's what it's scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's just in your pockets, behind you know, behind your ear. Well, this is a soaring tale, not soaring, searing, uh, searing. sad, uh, snoring. It's something about emotional abuse. The problem was, Ooh. my earbuds not great. Uh, I had no idea what was going on, and uh, fifty is, minutes taken, into the movie, taken, we landed, but. I went You've back. taken Dan's habit of, of recommending movies that he watched on planes they didn't like that much, and you have raised him quite a bit. This, well, this is the this challenge. this is what I'll tell you. I went to my hotel that night, and I tried to find it. I could not find it, but the fact that I tried to find it made me feel like <laughs> it's gonna... I at least wanted to know what was going on because I couldn't hear anything. It's got oh, okay. a 65 on uh, Metacritic, so that's not bad. Okay, well, check oh, it out once. and let me know. <laughs> 90 minutes. That's a handsome one. Exactly. Minutes. I thought I could make it. I thought I could make it through it by the end of the flight. Uh, I I've was been wrong. there. I've been there, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's okay. when, you, when you're finishing watching, when you're, you're trying to finish a movie and then the, the pilot comes on and he's like, oh, okay, we're beginning our descent. And you're like, stop. Let me watch it. Stop. And he's like, so what? Uh, Take another ladder. What else, what else did I want to tell you? It's uh, not going to change my well, life to uh, know this. <laughs> Let me be. Yeah, when when the plane lands and everyone's clapping, Dan's like, "I'm not clapping." <laughs> I mean, that only happens like one out of every twenty flights, right? Like, I don't, 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. A lot of times when I fly to the Caribbean, it yeah, it depends where uh, you fly yeah. to. In the Caribbean, they clap a lot when the when the I feel like lands, it's yeah. only happens when they actually do a bad landing because they like create a <laughs> oh, sense sarcastic. of like, will they or won't they <laughs> <Okay>. land? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, this has been a delight, and I'm so glad that it, it meant that Hallie, who was just in town for business for a day, like I could see her in person. We could see her in person. That was so nice. Um, yes, for me too. Uh, so this is a podcast that's on the Maximum Fun Network. You can find more fine podcasts by going over to MaximumFun.org, checking out what they've got over there. A lot of funny shows, a lot of shows that will teach you something. Uh, we're in that earlier category. We don't really do much for like. I mean, we, world we, we must have taught someone something in this in this episode. Yeah, right? if you didn't know anything like about Candide, hours. maybe. Yeah. Or, um, <laughs> yeah, now you know that there's an old lady who ate half her butt in Candide. <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is, now watch, someone's gonna write in and say that didn't happen, and it's gonna be my ding dong gate. Oh no! No, no, no. man, it's. It's tough, I gotta tell you. Butt gate. Um, <laughs> uh, if you could please a, enter by the butt, butt gate, gate, please. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we would like to thank uh, Alex Smith, our producer and editor, for making us sound good. You can find him on various socials under the name Howell Doughty. But for now, uh, that's it for this episode. For the Flophouse, I've been Dan McCoy. I'm Stuart Wellington. I'm Elliot Kalen. And I'm Hallie Hagland. Uh, bye. Bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> I tried to join in and I couldn't do it. It's tough. Uh, is that drink okay, Hallie? It's great. What's in it? Velvet falernum and mm-hmm. rum and some lime juice. Mm, velvet falernum. It's real, yeah, but it's I'm real... allergic to velvet falernum. <laughs> <laughs> real taste of the tropics. Uh, it's, you know, it's a common, it's used in a lot of tiki drinks. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I guess okay. we should You're right. <laughs> yeah, Dan, you're right. Don't question yourself, dude. On. You ready? Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.